old short story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path to the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the realm gates this episode are... I'm Davy, and I just woke up in the pitch black, and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing here. <laughs> How's it any different? Uh, and I'm Aaron. No beauties here, just a beast and a beast. Uh, and today, <laughs> we're going to talk about Beasts, The Road of the Hollow King by John French. But before we do... Hey, guys. Hey, Davey. Not guys. You're just one guy. Um, but, you, it, you know, your presence is so is so full that it feels like you're more than one person. That This is done. This is definitely getting cut out. Uh, mm-hmm. Davey, mm-hmm. how are you doing today in the blackness? Both of me are doing great. All of me are doing great. <laughs> no, I can't cut it. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Uh, I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm doing great. Um, this is... Uh, we, we kind of agreed on reading this. The, the nice thing about these pocket realms is if I have forgotten to read it, then the night before I can just read it. Uh, so It's been it's, so long since we've had one that I haven't previously read. And yet, mm. so that means I have to reread it every single time. So think of all the short stories I'm not getting a chance to read because I got to read these ones twice. Ugh. Oh, man. Yeah. What a life I lead. Minutes upon minutes used up. <laughs> <laughs> they're so short i mean they're shorter than most novel chapters so like that's it's yeah I, I love these things yeah um right on glad to hear it so like i said we're going to talk about beasts in a hot second but before we do we got to get through what we've been up to um and i will say in the hobby quote unquote in the hobby hey david uh, what was the last hobby that you did or games that you play played uh or book that you read or maybe all of the above well uh our last significant hobby on the what the heck side was we had a uh uh, beginner and returning player friendly in town tournament rivals plus um we i think the previous event we had in town was somewhere in the seven or eight range and we were really hoping to improve on that based on uh people met and hands shook at uh adepticon we ended up with 16 that was pretty awesome nice so, right on yeah felt real good uh kind of scooped up a another local player i think um maybe more than a couple and enthused some that were just kind of dabbling and then um we got some uh, folks from out of town that I think are going to be returning. So uh, all around, really cool. Um, what uh, did you get a sense of what proportion of like new players versus like the opposite of new players was? What was the division was? Uh, well, that's it, a little tricky to. There was we had at least one almost completely brand new uh, player, and then several that had not played in two or three years, and then a couple right. more that have been only playing for several weeks. So if I split it into the people who are you know, all in already and the people who are either new or returning, you know, maybe uh, you would consider them additions to the community if they mm-hmm. became regular players. Um, I'd say we're like a 60-40 split, which we're nice. pretty pretty stoked right. about. Maybe maybe even as far as half and half. Um, certainly if you had talked to us like a, a month ago, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, which makes sense because we, we doubled, right? So Yeah, true, true. Um, and, and it sounds like that in some small part, that was the, a little bit of the goal, what you're trying to do, right? Making it new new player friendly, so... Yep, that's exactly what we're trying to do. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. Um, as far as reading, uh, I uh, I like to, we do a lot of talking about this. I think I usually try to highlight something non-hobby related, um, something sort of in between. This is a, a narrative uh, podcast and not a podcast that talks about narrative, but like a uh, fiction podcast, Old Gods of Appalachia, Appalachia. Um, and it's, uh, it is a horror anthology um, set in uh the appalachian mountains so uh it's really well produced really cool and it's been going on for a couple of years i just started checking it out so um i think it's really made well made and uh, a really fun listen so if that sounds like your sort of thing you should go check it out is it an audio drama or like an like an audio book kind of and i know the uh, distinction is a little foggy but mm, that's a good point um 
somewhere in between. Like there, there's more sound effects. Like they'll have some sound effects in the back and like some cool. Uh, so it's not just strict reading, I guess. Um, but it is uh, not quite as bombastic as some audio dramas I've, yeah. I've heard. So only the faithful. <laughs> that's that's what I was saying without saying. So <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Battle sounds right. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, right on. Anything else you want to you want to highlight? Oh, what about you? What you been hobbying um, or reading? Hobby. So I've taken a break from the Darters, which is weird because the Darters book is uh, imminent. Um, but I've been putting together the Dark Oath Savagers uh, because it occurred to me that I have got a whole bunch of Slaves to Darkness, not a whole bunch, a handful of Slave to Darkness stuff. But these guys weren't assembled, and it, it was like this hole in the collection that I need to finish. And so, gotta drop what you're doing. You gotta fill it out. Uh, so I've just been assembling those guys, trying to figure, <laughs> asking what what the best loadouts loadouts are as if that has any bearing on anything that I do in my life. And yet I just, yeah. it, I gotta know, I gotta ask. Um, so I've been assembling those dudes. Um, as far as games, last game that I played was, uh, Adepticon though. Have we, I don't know, have we done one of these since Adepticon? So like maybe it's still pertinent in that I played those few games of underworld. <laughs> um, so we'll look back, look back to that uh, great event where the last games that I played, uh, and then book that I read. So, I don't know if we've had a ch- have I brought this up on the Pocket Realms yet, but we've been doing Mortal Realms Book Club in the Mortal Realms oh, yeah. Discord, which yeah. can be found at www.themortalrealms.com slash Discord. Um, it for a while there, I'm trying to think what the, even the logic is behind why I start, started doing it. It because it, we I mean we do novels for the show for for the story phase, obviously, but I don't know. Maybe I felt there was a way to like get more of them or get more people involved. Right, the book club's great because you can have a lot of uh, perspectives or at least some of the, you know, the book clubs that we're in Danny, outside mm-hmm. of the hobby, like it's not just three or four people, but you know, it's it can six, seven or eight, you know, it, it, the numbers yeah. can get large. And so I wanted to get more of that experience a little bit or take what I maybe I've learned from that outside the hobby book club and introduce it into more of an age of Sigmar setting. Yeah. Excuse me. So I'm um, like, Hey, you know what? I'll bring in the folks in the, the, the discord and get them chatting about these books. Plus over a series of months, there was like one book after the other book after the other. So there's a bunch of novels coming out. Sure. And we've yeah. talked some in the past about uh, maybe having story phase look a little bit like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but it was fi- hard to figure out, uh, well, two things hard to figure out how to make that happen. And the second it, once, once there's momentum on a particular way a show is done, man, it is hard to, uh, adjust that in any way at all. So it's easier to not do it at all than to like change it, um, which <laughs> yeah. is kind of what we've been doing lately, which is uh, not to say we won't get back to it, but so I haven't participated, but I am super glad to, uh, see that it's there and, and, uh, think of a, a situation where I might be able to do that at some point. Well, and furthermore, some of these, the fo- some of our 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 community members are in- infinitely more insightful than I am, and so I'd much rather listen to them talk about the thing than have to come up with any original ideas my own. Um, so, unlike this, and literally unlike what we're doing right now. Um, so, so in doing so, I'd, I'd highlight that we've read um, we read Gothical Hollow a few months ago. We read uh, Kragnos what would have been two months ago. And then they just read, um, hallowed ground, which I didn't get a chance to read. Mm. Um, what I really want to by Richard. <laughs> nope. Aaron don't say his name cause he can't. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so it, it, and then we're going to do a soul, soul slayer this month. And so there's been a, just novel after novel coming through that the, the groups are, um, the folks are listening to, or mm. the, the folks are talking about in discord. And so I'll, I'll highlight that here. Uh, and I'm slowly, slowly, slowly working my way through Moon as a Harsh Mistress. I don't. It's it's a slow read. It's not bad. It's just a, it takes a little bit. I'm on it too. I, I've I found an audiobook copy which uh, which I'm listening to. There's some interesting accents in there. Uh, which you know they they have a, a guy speaking in a Russian accent, and then uh, 
I was listening with my daughter in the back of the car while we were driving around. And she's like, this guy's accent is weird. It sounds like he's talking really fast. And I was like, you know, and I think about it, I think the last time I listened using this app, I put it up to 1.25 speed. <laughs> like, yep, that's that's part of why this sounds so weird. Slowed it down like, oh, this is a lot. <laughs> so it sounds a lot less ridiculous. Sure. <laughs> um, I mean, especially because it's already, I mean, we don't need to get too far into it, but like the slang and the way it's written is already wacky, right? So then to like, yeah. throw it into like, yeah. It'd, yeah, it'd be hard to follow up, sure. Anyways, cool. Right on. Um, any other things you want to chat about before we get into this here story phase? I think that's it. Let's do it. All right. Well, in that case, your turn. <laughs> in the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. Our story. The tragic hero, Kato Azikiar, is a wanderer seeking those who have done him ill. When he's ambushed and betrayed by a mysterious figure, Kato finds himself in the depths of an underground world and hunted by a monstrous beast. But there is more at work here than a simple trap and will take all of the Hollow King's abilities to survive and unravel the truth. Uh, so... First things first, he is not a wanderer, listeners. I read this little book. I remember, you know, months and months ago when this yeah. came out for like Advent, I'm like, ooh, a wanderer. He's a king, fallen king of some sort. This is going to be right up my alley, which is not to say it wasn't up my alley, but I was surprised. You thought he was capital W wanderer? Yep, yep. So, yeah, right. uh, spoiler alert, he is not. Um, <laughs> and even the cover is just like a, a dragon motif thing. So, like, there was no hint of, you know, who or what he was. But, anyways, we'll get into it. Um, or, so we're reading Beasts, uh, The Road of the Hollow King. I don't know if The Road of the Hollow King is actually part of the title, but anyways, Beasts by John French. This, for me, was the um, first John French story I've ever read, which may be surprising to some folks because he's pretty prolific on the 40K side, if I understand mm, correctly. I, I am almost positive if he's read, I read uh, maybe, well, I was going to say the first chunk of the Horus Heresy. At the time, it felt like a big chunk. Now it's probably like 4% of the total books published, mm. but um but I don't remember much about it if he if he did not not enough to for me to have a opinion coming in about John French is this kind of writer for me or whatever. Mm -hmm. so. um, I had rec recognized his name, so in my head I'm like, all right, well this ought to be good because if I know of a 40k writer's author's name, then he must I mean he must stand out in some way. There's only like three 40k authors that I probably can name. Mm. Let's try Dan Adnett. Uh, the guy whose name's Aaron because <laughs> his name's Aaron because he's got a bunch of letters in his initials A D. B or something. Anyways, there. That's the end of my list. Those three people. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've, I, I was looking forward to reading this just so I could, you know, get another author under my belt, right? Like um, there, we read a lot of the same authors on the Age of Sigmar side. We, we've been recently getting some newer ones, which I've been really excited about. But this is a, maybe a new situation I find myself in where he's an established Warhammer author. It just happens to be on the 40K side. So this was uh, new for me anyways. Um mm. And I suppose I'm, I'm diving into the why are we reading this uh, topic. This is essentially, in some ways, why I'm why I was uh, excited to read this story. Did you have any reasons that jumped out at you as to why you wanted to read Beasts? Um, well, I think it was. Uh, I think I mostly threw it your way, um, but uh, for me, I think I hadn't read anything with. Uh, I think I did know by the time we were picking it that um, the lead was a vampiric. Um, and so, uh, I think I, I felt like I hadn't read from that perspective, um, either, I don't want to say ever, but certainly for a, a, a long while. So I thought that'd be an interesting take, uh, to, to go after. So sure. that was my vote. In, in recent memory, in terms of like the undead vampire perspective, I feel like you're going to get maybe like a more dark perspective. There's all those Neferata books. I mean, we mm -hmm. follow Manfred every once in a while, right? But it, I can't 
Is, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong, uh, but I can't think of any other vampires I followed that didn't have a, a name before going into it. Yeah, I, for me, it, uh, there was a Dynasty of Monsters, which wasn't really from their perspective, but mm-hmm. um, a little bit. Like you, it, it, it wasn't ostensibly from that, but you, you do get some of that. So, but that that's different because they can't really blend into uh, <laughs> to society um, like our our man the Hollow King can. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, another reason I'll throw out is it, we'd be remiss. This is a coincidence, uh, dear listeners. We planned on discussing this book before they announced that they were making minis for both Cato mm. uh, and our boy Drecky Flint. Um, but what a coincidence! Back to back, one after the other, uh, we covered both, or we have, and will cover both of those, I guess, characters in their short stories. Um, and I don't know. I was going to say not too long. We'll get those models. Who's to say what long is? Um, it may be. It could be years for all we know. But those models are coming. Their novels are coming. And so what um, What a happy coincidence that we were also reading their short stories going into it. So that's very cool. Um, you know, I wondered, though. I'm not going to take credit. I'm not going <laughs> to grab a scry point for this or anything like that. But the fact that they were both, like, front-loading some short stories for both of those characters made me wonder if, like, they were going somewhere with these mm. these um, these characters. So I, I wasn't surprised when they announced the novels, at least. Car- uh, models kind of came out of nowhere, which is very cool. What a delight. Um, it helped um, rereading this story, having seen the model, especially for, for Cato specifically, in that, like, I didn't necessarily have a concept of what he looked like. I mean, they said he was a vampire and that he, was a, he sometimes could blend in as, like, just a regular person. And mm-hmm. so I could fill in what blanks I had, uh, but then they showed the model. I've seen what he looks like now. He's on the cover of that of the novel too. And so then I got to reread this and sort of insert that dude into this story. And I don't know, it made it a little better because I knew what he. I didn't have to make up my own image. I knew what he would look like. Uh, I like that trend. It, it, I like uh, some more back and forth between the studio and Black Library. I like that. That's fun. Um, so uh, I think for AOS, we've seen it mostly just with. Gotrek, like I don't know. You could uh, say the Van Dent, the Van Dents, the sure, Witch Hunters, I guess. But yeah. they were, I think, models before they were books. Yeah, um, yeah. This is cool. I'm, I'm a fan. I like that little uh, taste of flavor in there. And if you want to use that miniature as your own thing, you know, say convert it. I will not say that. <laughs> uh, then you, uh, there's options for for that side of things. And if you really like the character, you can run it as that character. So I think that's cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Age of Sigmar is going to, it needs to be, I mean, Warhammer in general is going to, it's like a a twofold thing. It's going to succeed in the future based off of the ability for people to write their own, create their own stories, whether it's on the tabletop or in their models. But it also is going to lean on the, 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 the characters that are inherent to Sigmar too, like the characters that Age of Sigmar can create, um, Mm -hmm. you know, foundationally. And so this is, this is a great direction. I think is it, it needs to be a setting of characters. And so the more the merrier, I think. Awesome. With that being said, let's talk about some other W's. Um, when, when do we think this story takes place? David, you got any thoughts on the when? Uh, for, uh, for a second, I thought it was uh, with Dawnbringer Crusades, but that's not entirely clear to me there. Like there wasn't explicitly a Dawnbringer Crusade that I noticed. Um, like some of the language about it felt like it would. Uh, and I don't know if there were more clues than some of the other stuff you might've read. Um, the There's the idea that like clearly uh, at some point people have come into, cause this is uh, to give a, a where they're in the realm of death. So they're in Shyish. Um, and people have come in to, to set up camp. So it's, in, but that could have been the age of Sigmar. That could have been, you know, 
some amount of time after uh, the Realm Gate War. So to me, there wasn't anything that said it other than the idea of Stormcast is not novel. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything else that pinned it down more for you? I uh, know I'm in exactly the same boat as you are. Uh, you, you said something about there was language in there that maybe made you wonder. At one point, he says something to the effect when he's talking about the town, and we'll get into it a little bit later. But they, they, the word crusade gets used once or twice in the story, mm. talking yeah. about things, you know, folks that had come to this town. Now, to your point, like maybe they would throw that it was Little Sea Crusade. So maybe they would use the word crusade when, you know, seeds of hope were getting created. Or, you know, there's that period, like you said, after the Realm Gate Wars, where a bunch of cities of Sigmar would be being like founded and identified. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's part of the Dawnbringer Crusades. Um, Given when it was written and and the things that we're talking about these days, I'm going to, I'm just going to headcanon choose to believe it was, you know, post Dawnbringer Crusade until I'm told otherwise. Um, But like you said, it's not definitively like pinned down specifically. Yeah. I'm down with that interpretation. Yeah. Um, I'll also point out if we're going to deal with when's, um, we can talk about it from a story timeline. Beast actually, uh, to my infinite shame, uh, turns out is actually this the second story in the <laughs> Hollow King uh, series. And so the question is, why are we talking about it then? The first one debuted in a white dwarf, um, which uh, hadn't we were able to read. Um, but to keep the pocket realms pure, uh, we're going to foc- focus on the short stories published by by Black Library. It's not to say we can't pull information from the White Dwarf, Dwarf story, um, and they do kind of go hand in hand. And so, I mean, we'll get into you know what that relationship looks like story-wise in the future. But I will say that this does take place after the White Dwarf story. And there's a sequel, I guess you could say a sequel or a continuation of this story in this book that occurs later. And that's another um, Hollow King short story that I'll have to look up the name of in a second because I don't have it in front of me. Um, and so this also, so I'll point out that this story takes place sort of in the middle of um, the the tale of the Hollow King as we know it so far, mm. um, all of which presumably takes place ahead of the novel, which I was talking about uh, earlier. Well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad we uh, kept our integrity. If there's one if there's one adjective that everyone uses when they talk about pocket realms, it's pure. So, yeah, someone's someone's got to. Uh, whew, I'm glad I got that off my chest. Um, <laughs> I was really holding that one. That was a big weight inside. Um, all right, any other wins you want to chat about? Uh, nope. I don't think so. All right, well, let's do some wares then. So where's the story take place? We we already hinted at it. Uh, David, what do you think about the where? Uh, well, for me, they're talking about a town, uh, was it Glim, Glimmerfall? Glimmerheart. Glimmerheart. They're talking, about, they're talking about a, a, a town, Glimmerheart. And I was like, I cannot remember if I'm supposed to know already where this is at. And I think maybe if you were up on it or, you know. Doesn't it sound like a town that we've heard of before? It just sounds sure like does. something I've heard of. <laughs> Um, is there something else that has heart in the name of it maybe or like so glim's forge so i'm thinking glim and then i don't know yeah. there's another hollow heart hollow heart yeah so i put two and two whatever it's i looked it up because i thought i was going crazy and it turns out i think it's only in these glimmer heart is only in these short stories maybe it's on a map somewhere i guess i could have pulled that up too okay um, but i believe it's exclusive to these um to these stories so we don't know much about it going into it uh, however, I don't know if I'd consider it a story. We can tell you a little bit about the place, listeners. I don't think it's a spoiler to say as much, but um, it's in Shyish, which makes mm-hmm. sense. The dude's, well, anyway, just it, he's a vampire. I don't know, do I spoil it? Do I let it? <laughs> I do we know did. right away? Yeah, I guess you did. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so it makes sense. He's a vampire we're dealing in the realm of death. And so given that it's a town in the realm of death, you got to wonder, like, well, what's its, what's its underworld situation? Like, how does it relate to the realm of death? Every, every place in the realm of death... Uh, 
sort of relates to the fact that Shyish is an underworld uh, realm, and there's always fun and unique, uh, you know, aspects of cities or you know regions or what have you. Um, this one's an underworld where. Uh, people are souls when they get sent here. They they roll up as water, whether it's like snow or rain. But they 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 fall on the underworld or on, yeah. on the underworld and get absorbed up, or they, or they combine up into the the rivers and streams and and lakes and waterfalls that you're used to. Um, and they they you know they form they form the water there, which is uh, super cool. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, most of the information because uh, that very little of that is actually told in. Uh, beasts but if the if you're in the white dwarf uh story that's where you pick up most of it um and they talk about this idea of water being a gift from the ancestors or from the spirits of those who came before um and that's the sort of like aos world building that i really enjoy um so uh if you can get your hands on the white dwarf it's worth reading uh, just for a real interesting kind of retelling of or just a little, little more table setting for the the environment and and that kind of thing. The idea I know uh, Paul Wagner, uh, PJ Shard really likes Shyish for for that sort of thing. Like he will talk at great length about uh, gods of death and undeath and you know underworlds and what does that mean and all that sort of thing. And uh, for good reason, it's it's uh, it's a pretty cool concept and it feels like one of the ways where you can really stretch out some of the things that AOS can do, you know? Absolutely. Um, I probably should tell you, dear listeners, where you can find this first story, where we're learning all this information about Glimmerheart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is in the Soul Prey story, The Road of the Hollow King, uh, which is in White Dwarf 471. So uh, check it out. Yeah, nothing else to add. That is very cool. Um, I like the idea they say something effective. Um, the, the mortals will when like it's not uncommon for mortals to come and try and find their own afterlifes right which is wacky um but they they know what they believe right and so then they have to like go like i believe this is what happens to me in my afterlife i believe our souls turn into water and we you know, yeah it is the the combined flowage of our you know let me, our society let me go double check my math and let me go find it and so they stumble upon it and how, how wild is that and so the living uh, mortals who believe this stuff are set up a city in the midst of uh, these rivers of their, you know, their flowing ancestors. It's just very, very Sigmar, very cool. Um, all right, and any other wares do you want to chat about? Uh, no, I think that's good. Well, I mean, I would, I would just say that uh, it's not not much of it actually takes place in town. It is, you know, somewhere close to. Yeah, true, true. Good point. Um, well, in that case, let's talk about who uh, we've referenced him. His name was in the was the in the summary. Uh, it's Cato Ezekiar. Ezekiar. Yeah, maybe I'm making it harder than it is. It shouldn't be that tricky. Cato Ezekiar. So we've already not spoiled, but talked about how he is a vampire. But man, do we know much more beyond that? I mean, I guess the name Hollow King might give you some hints. But what what do you think you know about this guy going into the story? Uh, well, for a lot of people, it's going to depend on whether you read uh, the White Dwarf sure. um, story before, which I did not. Um, I, all I knew was just from word of mouth that he was a vampire. Um, but Hollow King, I assume, you know, he's some sort of past royalty or, or something like that. Um, but uh, going in, that's a, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really didn't know uh, anything about it. I didn't know, is I going to be reading about a guy who... Uh, is currently a king, all that sort of thing, and you pick up pretty quick by the fact that he's uh, he's enrolling deep. He's not got an entourage; it's just him walking around. That uh, whatever he's king of is uh, he's either in exile or it's gone or, or something like that. So, I think part of it will be piecing together. They kind of drop hints of 
um, what, what, uh, role he had or what, uh, uh, what his past, uh, allegiances were. Sure. I'll say having read all three of his stories, I don't know that I know much more than that, quite frankly. <laughs> like, I mean, there are, yeah, there are hints and you get some glimpses and you talk about how he's rolling in by himself. That's not completely true. Um, mm, but, sure. uh, it, beyond those hints that I, I, I don't know what he was a king of, um, I, I guess you you get a sense right at the beginning. I don't know if it's too much of a spoiler to say he's he's hunting something or someone. Like he's 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 on his own personal quest, whatever that might be. Um, so mm-hmm. he's driven um, by something. But even that is pretty foggy. I'll, I'll say so. Don't 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 worry, listeners. I can't spoil too much because I don't know too much about you know what his goals are. I think this is all these are all great teasers to set up the novel coming through, which is not to say the stories we're reading aren't aren't also interesting, but um you can definitely tell that these are, you know, glimpses or hints of what's uh, what's to come. Well well executed in that regard, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um any other who's or what's that you want to talk about? Uh not for me. All right. Well in that case we could probably jump into a spoiler phase starting right now, everybody. Cover your ears. No, don't. Come on, <laughs> hang out. Or go read the book real quick. You know, I'll wait the three minutes it'll take, and then you can come back. <laughs> um, uh, spoiler phase. Okay, so uh, right off the bat, and I feel like we we meet her uh, relatively quickly earlier in this here story, but you said he's by himself. He's not exactly by himself. He's he's uh, being, I don't know, uh, not watched, guided, escorted, uh, a little bit of a Jimmy Cricket on his shoulder. Um, the spirit of his like old... And someone that he knew in his past, like, you know, in his Hollow King days, essentially. Um, so it's this teacher, Solia. Um, and uh, she's a ghost, like a, a specter, a ghost that, like, follows him around. Yeah. Uh, and um, I know this is necessary. I mean, she comes up later in the story. I'm just going to bring her up now because I thought she was maybe the coolest part of these things is um, mm-hmm. that he, uh, she is this, like, you know, shade that is following him. And, and, like, he talks to her every once in a while. So it's nice to have what could be a very loner. Uh, story in front of us he sometimes has someone to like you know bounce an idea off of or like talk to yeah he's got like a ring that he can kind of call her mm-hmm. in, something like that yeah agreed but maybe we'll get more of her later or maybe we will because i don't know that she contributes too much to the story uh, but we can start at the beginning um well i suppose it's not a direct like the immediate events of the previous story don't lead into this because this guy just wakes up in the dark right and we don't necessarily mm-hmm. even know how he got there in the mm-hmm. yet um but he's he's underground. He's in the dark. You would think a vampire wouldn't care, but apparently, uh, Cato does because he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I know enough. I've lived long enough to not like <laughs> overreact to this. Let's see how things go. Essentially, yeah. what? So my first take was like, is this just how he always wakes up? You know, because I didn't know anything about it. You know, mm-hmm. the first paragraph wakes up in the dark and you know uh, holds off on his first reaction, uh, which is to wonder what is crawling up his leg, right? Um, but. Uh, I was like, is this, you know, at first I thought, maybe this is just how he wakes up from whatever vampiric sleep is like, oop, here I am in my, you know, coffin or whatever. Mm. Uh, uh, so it took me a while to figure out that he was, he was legit in a situation and not of his choosing. You could also envision a scenario, right, where a va- vampire, like, some, like it's more of a werewolf motif, but maybe it's a vampire thing, too, where you're like, what, oh, oh hell, what did I do last night? Like, you know, what did I get up to? Totally. I woke up in this, yeah. you know, in this, um, like you said, coffin or something like that, which it's not terribly different than what actually happens, right? And so we'll get to, I mean, he, there's a flashback later that it sort of explains how he gets here, but let, we'll, we'll cross it when we come to it. Um, you mentioned something's crawling up his leg. Turns out it's a spider with legs the size of my leg, or no, legs is... 
size of my arm or something. It's a huge spider at any rate. Um, Abdomen the size of a child's head was the <laughs> weird uh, simile that... <laughs> Which is tricky because I've been told my kids have huge heads. And so um, that, I can just only imagine how big that would be. Um, they can't wear hats, guys. Uh, <laughs> so it's climbing up them and he... You, you realize something, there's something special to this guy, even besides the fact that he wakes up in the dark sometimes, in that uh, he, like, lightning quick is able to dispatch the spider, smash it, and then, like, steal its glowing, uh, is it ichor or ichor? I only ever hear it or see it written. I say ichor. Ichor, ichor it is. And it's this glowing ichor that he puts in a vial. And I'm like, all right, well, then, okay, is he some sort of alchemist? Like, why does he have vials on him? And why why is his first instinct be like, yeah, I'm going to, like, squeeze this thing dry? <laughs> You're in, you have other things to do, man. They're bigger priorities. <laughs> Um, but he's underground, steals some acre, uh, and he uses it to light his um, surroundings. And it turns out, you know, he's underground and that he doesn't know how he got here. And uh, he's in this sort of cave. Um, remind me, because I think he says something effective, or he describes, like, it's dark, he's a vampire. I would assume he could see. Why Why can't he see? Did he say? I can't. Wouldn't you think that this is, would be no problem for him? Uh, I mean, I, I there was something challenging his senses i think i i didn't uh i if i if there was something specific then i i missed it um gotcha. i thought we, well maybe this maybe just canonically he doesn't have or maybe it's just dark enough in here doesn't have dark uh, vision yeah. people and the D communities are always complaining that certain player races don't have dark vision when they should tabaxi <laughs> they're cats what the hell um that's dumb Aaron. uh so yeah but he he he's able to to get and you get get his bearings and head deeper into this underground structure. Um, it's just like a, a brief uh, glimpse of a shaft above him, um, which he kind of jumps up to check out, but it's clearly been sealed up. So um, he suspects that he's been trapped in here by whoever got him in here. Yeah, and and whether it's this part or something else, and and uh, like he surmises that like anything that could trap me down here must know a lot about me because if they were able to do so, then like. You, nobody does it accidentally like just someone yeah. like me <laughs> Oops, I trapped a vampire, a vampire. Yeah. Oh, shucks. Yeah. um and so he travels deeper into the cave uh there is a noteworthy uh i don't know these caves are noteworthy in that they are full of mushrooms and oh what does what does that mean um <laughs> it's it's almost as if you could in age of sigmar or warhammer like you can never surprise uh, deliver like grots or you know or, mm. or you know um, gloom spite stuff because as soon as there's mushrooms like i'm always just gonna i mean there's no chance that i'm not gonna assume like what's what's down here in this cave whether it's you know grots or what ends up being down there um but it if for discerning age of sigma re- readers you have a you have a hint of what he's gonna find in this in this cave um or tunnel uh scene uh down below um, did anything about the ca- cave grab you besides the obvious mushrooms? Uh, I think there's an experience with the uh, the spider venom, and uh, I, it seems like he can probably breathe as he chooses. Like at one point, he's like, "Whoop! I'm not gonna, I'll uh, not breathe because I'm I got some like hint of hallucinogenic situation." Um, the mushrooms are kind of acting as like a tension building device. Like they start glowing and they start pulsing, glowing more powerfully as he as he moves around, um, also lighting his way a little bit. Um, yeah. Then as he's walking along, uh, somehow he realizes sort of dead into his sense. This specifically did seem like it was dead into his senses. Like he realized he was about to step out into nothing, uh, and steps back and there's some, uh, massive pit here. Um, 
and it's part of why he, he does try to uh, bring his his teacher in Solia, mm-hmm. uh, and she cannot manifest. She's like something's pushing against me. Um, uh, not sure what. I can't be here for much longer. Bye, gone. <laughs> See ya. So, so there's yeah, there's a big pit, and he's like, I need to get uh, need to figure out what's up with that slash get away from it. And uh, uh, right as he's making that decision, he is uh, met by a, a, a visitor. Uh, looms up behind him. Yeah, but what a great time, guys! What a great time for doing a little flashback, right? I mean, this is classic uh, yeah. TV, TV storytelling one on one. It looms this big craggy r- 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 rock structure, but we cut and we we rewind. I don't know a day, two days. I don't know how far back. Um, but uh, the Hollow King is in Glimmerheart. He's walking down uh, uh, an alleyway of sorts, which I think is probably how he prefers to travel. Um, he. I think talks about how he's ingratiated or he's trying to ingratiate or ingratiate is not the word, but like blend in with the city where he's taking a little bit of mercenary work, um, trying to stay under the radar where he can. Um, but he is greeted by a, just a, a, like a, like a chubby dude, if I understand correctly. I mean, by that, I mean, he's got layers of fat over muscle. Our, our vampire yeah. uh, notices, um, he's got a name. I would love to tell you it. Bayazar. By, by Razan, by Razan, by Razan. Um, and basically the guy offers him a deal. He says, I know who you are. Um, if a word got out who you were, uh, it would, it would be a lot of trouble for you. So I'll tell you what, I'll keep, I'll keep it a secret. And in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll offer you a deal. If you do something for me, the vampire considers it. He's like, Hmm, anybody who knows who I am probably is someone I need to be wary of. Like, uh, it's, it's not, you know, common knowledge. Um, but he repeatedly turns the guy down and says, no, I'm not interested in the, no, I'm not interested. And the guy says, all right, fine. Um, and, I don't know what is he, he he something descends on the vampire and he blacks out. What was it? Just it does not say what. Um, so I think we we get some clues to it a little bit later. But um, you do get some clues ab- about uh, the Hollow King here, though. He he has a, a thought in this flashback, like only the blood of the damned. You're like, oh, okay, so he's got some sort of uh, principles. Like he's going around, he's he's hungry, but he's he has some sense and I, you don't not sure at this point, like who does he decide is the damned or whatever, but there's, he's not going to be indiscriminate in who he feeds upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got, a, he's got a code, man. A vampire's yeah. got to have a code. That's not true. A lot of vampires don't have anything resembling a code. Um, but he, uh, he, he blacks out. And so now we know, uh, he, he was, um, attacked, I guess is one way to phrase it. Um, someone tried to get him to do a job that he had no interest in doing. He wakes up, he finds himself in this cave. This must all be related. It has to be sort of connected in some way. Um, fast forward back to where we were, the looming, uh, shape behind him. Turns out it is a Trogoth. Um, I don't know, whatever the one that has rocky skin, presumably. Um, and now, uh, Kato's got to fight for his life, right? Like, what, what does he do? Does he have to attack it? Does he have to flee? I feel like he tries all of the above, shoots it with magic, but I think these types of trolls like absorb some magic, and the thing just like is inv- like eats the spell. And Kato's like, "Whoop, okay, not that one." Um, and then he uh, tries to boogie off, uh, essentially after you know clinking against his sword against the rocky you know skin of this thing. Um, he realizes the discretion is the better form of valor, and uh, boogies on out missing anything that's essentially it right no it's but it is fun to kind of uh piece together uh that this is a, a rock at Trogoth. you know like it, if you if you don't know things about the background of uh, what Trogoths exist out there you know I, for a little bit i was like ah maybe this is uh what are they the uh the big old dank hold but you're like as he's like oh yeah like 
uh, you know, he's, he's tough, he's rocky and he's kind of absorbing or resistant to magic. Like this must be a rock gut. That's cool. Uh, and I, I like that kind of scale of a, of a villain or foe, um, in this. Uh, and also side note, there's some of my favorite miniatures in the line. Uh, the proportions are cool. They, this is the one guy's got like a, uh, like a rock tied to his head as a hat. <laughs> <laughs> love that stuff. So, um, yeah, I like those guys a lot. Um, but yeah, he's like, I, I'm, I gotta get out of here. This, this is a little bit much for me right now. Well, and furthermore, I mean, the danger is compounded by the fact that like, I think he's got the spider venom in his veins or whatever passes for vampire veins. But then he's also, mm -hmm. I think at one point he gasps in and he takes the spores in his, in, 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 in as well. And if yeah. you're ever wondering if vampires are immune to the maddening effects of gloom spite, mushrooms uh at least this story argues that they are not um and that he is he's going through a trip while he's uh, <laughs> trying to escape and like fight this thing too which i mean is you know just it, it's in this tight quarters i mean you're used to these vampires being able to like single-handedly deal with most things that they face uh and you wouldn't necessarily assume that a, a, a trog would be you know a problem for them but like if, if he's hindered if he's nerfed by the effects of you know hallucinogenic uh, substances yeah maybe it's more of an even fight or maybe the 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 sides switch a little bit and he he's on the back foot as he seems mm -hmm. to surmise in this situation so yeah uh, he boogies on out he na tries to navigate the tunnels it turns out the truck knows the tunnels better than he does and so he like he, he he gets met like every step of the way he gets you know cut off and eventually uh they circle back and they end up um you know this cat and get, cat and mouse game that goes it's pretty quick uh, he ends up back at the pit um, trying to figure out, you know, I mean, he just, and essentially his backs up against the wall or in this case pit. Um, and I think it's at this, is it at this point or was it earlier where he actually tends, spends a little bit of time looking into the thing? Um, and mm. it gets like swirling and you don't know if it's, whether it's because this pit is magical though we assume it is, um, or if it's the, you know, the mushrooms and the venom, like, but he starts having like visions and like, he sees like a city covered in shadow yeah. down below. It's this wild. There's some mention of like glass or reflection. Like I actually was wondering, like, is he, is he seeing like, is this, is there a shade spire connection here? Like, is I he wondered? Yeah. Yeah. I, that seemed like a possibility to me, uh, but it left it pretty ambiguous. Uh, I don't know if people who are more familiar with this guy or, uh, or, or some aspects of the story somehow are a little more clued in to what, what might be going on here. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's some gnarly portal to somewhere. Um, yeah. so I, you know, I was like, is it one of those, is it a, is it an honest to goodness realm gate? I don't know what, what's the deal. All the above or none of the above. Tough to say, mm. but he leads the, the troll here, trog here. Um, it's a classic. He's, you know, his back's up against the wall. The, the, the trog roars at him, uh, lunges at him. I think he slices the back of his foot and then he was able to use his vampire strength to push the, the thing into the pit. Um, mm -hmm. thus solving the trogoth puzzle congratulations then the victory music plays and he levels up um <laughs> and uh he lives to fight another day um i think it yada yada yadas him out of the out of the pit um he climbs up that that shaft that he had seen previously which has been whether he clears it or somebody else clears it and he, and he meets up with birazan birazan whatever um again and it's just the classic well well done you've uh you've you know accomplished uh, mission accomplished. Uh, Solved my troll riddle. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Um, and Kato's not stoked, but he realizes that, like, well, 
this guy obviously had some hand in putting me down there. So I'm not, I mean, doesn't like come after, or, or, or no, I'll tell you what he does. He does like make a, an aggressive motion towards him, but uh, the dude just ah, 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 he dangles a little bit of vial, a vial of blood. Turns mm-hmm. out this fella who, who randomly ran into in Glimmerheart has a vial of his bloodline's blood. And in some ways it offers some control over uh, Kato. Um, yeah. I don't know enough about vampires to know if this is a thing or not. I mean, it is for the sake of the story. It is, but um, it, this I didn't know that that's how you could mess, you know, control vampires by having their blood. But apparently, um, how did you react to this? Uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of figured that there was some piece of control he had over him, and uh, this I, I, I didn't. Uh, I assume possession of this is what made him able to black out uh, Cato in the first place. So yeah, bold, bold move, uh, mortal swinging those things. Um, he says he, uh, he can do all sorts of storm. He can take his strength. It could cause him pain or he can send him into the unsleep, which presumably mm. is what this was. Um, yeah. Interesting. But the guy says, Hey, I mean, basically he's real congenial about it. He's like, I mean, don't, I mean, I don't want to have to use this. It's just, I needed you to clear out that beast from its nest so that we could have access. And, and I think Cato surmises that they wanted access to that thing. He's like, look, mm-hmm. we, everybody got what we wanted. Um, he goes, because I, you cleared it out. That's what we wanted. And here, I'll give you a secret. Uh, this is, yeah. you're hunting for something and I know where you should go next. So he's yeah. very like, chill out, dude. Like, this is totally fine. <laughs> I offered you a fair deal. You should have took it. Um, yeah. And so what he ends up revealing is that on the next step of Cato, mission or his hunt is that there's this tower up on this cliff um above the city of glimmerheart and that that's where he ought to go next and he, he starts revealing a little bit of what he knows about Cato's uh mission which is very very little which is to say he's like i know you're hunter and hunting the followers of you know sorcerers and things um so like that's where i think you should go next and so we as the audience learn now that all right well that must be some component of what he's trying to do is yeah. hunt down sorcerers and followers of uh Presumably Zinch, or at least, you know, the damned, which we can assume is the chaos. Yeah, there's a good exchange here where he says, uh, you can find it on whatever, like the the dawnward, sorry, the the uh, slope with the without snow on it, the furthest one. He basically describes the location. And uh, Kato's like, there's no tower there. He's like, yeah, well, seeing it is the first problem. <laughs> and then and Kato's like, well, how do I get in? And he's like, well, that's your second problem. That's the second problem. <laughs> this guy's cool. I like this dude. Um, I hope we see more of him. Yeah, and then it's at this point, like just towards the end of it, essentially, like they verbally spar at this point. Now that he's revealed a secret, and then he's like, all right, well, that's not the only thing I know about you. Like, I know that, like, generally he's like, and I don't want to, we won't get into the specifics because I don't think he gets into the specifics, but he's talking about like, it's, you took power um, and, and you just let, like left destruction in your, in your wake. We're just mortals and we're dealing with like the ramifications of think of what people like you do. Um, and so yeah. like it's, it's, I wish they would have gone more into it. I wish there was more, oh, I, you know, we, yeah, yeah. we've been talking about in these short stories, how a lot of the ones that we've liked recently have been like exchanges and like accusations and, and, and those sort of verbal back and forth, the verbal fights that you like to see. And this was a glimpse of one that I would have, I would have read uh, so much more enthusiastically than maybe the, the troll fight that is, is fine. I don't it's neither here nor there because I feel like he's really hinting on some interesting themes um, yeah. in this. Yeah. He says it's people like you that set this up. Actually not people like you, people like exactly you. Yeah. You, know, you like, did it. Yeah. Um, you, you had your time like now, now it's on us. Uh, and it's interesting because he's, he's kind of passing judgment and Cato had actually done that earlier. So this is the kind of, this is the kind of man that, uh, you know, the kind of person that the, the mortal realms, you know, are, are that the Sigmar's empires are, are 
uh, in the hands of, you know, they, all these people are, they're big up on the God King, but really it's in the hands of people like this. And they might call themselves merchants or mercenary bosses or, or whatever, but kind of not dismissive, but, uh, thinks he's got him pegged. And so it's a, it's a fun reversal to see, uh, see it go the other way around here. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Um, and, uh, they, they have this back and forth and up until this point, um, Byrzan is rel- relatively like you know easygoing and and you know really smirky about this right like he he has a certain air of I think congeniality is what I said before um, after his little spiel of like the accusation and like a lot of the finger pointing he is not smiling anymore and so it you could really sense that the tone has shifted and that like he's struck a nerve with this guy in some way and um, that really that really I don't know stood out to me that that change in it's change in the air um, mid conversation, which again, I love this kind of stuff. Uh, and um, I mean, essentially they go, they, they go from there. Like, actually this is where he reveals the secret is how they end and the conversation. Mm-hmm. He says, all right, well, your next steps up, up that away, essentially. Um, but what a great, for me, what a great way to end the, end the story. Um, I don't know that I was, I don't know that I was necessarily grabbed throughout. I mean, it would seem very stock standard in terms of, Oh, there's, Trog fighting a vampire, which I guess I haven't seen that fight before, so that's relatively new. Um, sure. And then, oh, there's a secret hit around gate under uh, underground. Okay, I mean they, uh, that adds up, that tracks. But then when they got into this part, I'm like, yes, this is this, this is on theme with a lot of the stuff that we've been reading lately, and this is what I get riled up for these days, which which is very antithetical to like Warhammer stories, right? It's the talking that I am jazzed about. But um, anything else to add about the ending of this year's story? Uh, no. I'm, I'm agree. I agree that I agree with you. Like landing, landing on a high point there. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, cool. Right on. In that case, um, do you have any tidbits or thoughts or things that jumped out at you throughout the story as a whole that you wanted to bring up? Um, mostly just, uh, what you, what you already covered there, like the, the interactions, um, you know, we will see, we always like to see like, what does this realm look like? Or what is, this interaction look like and what was cool about this was rather than it's like someone from this realm interacting with someone from this realm it's someone from this time interacting with someone from a previous time right like yeah because uh kato has been around so long because he's a vampire that uh he knew what this uh, and 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 some of the in the white dwarf he'll make reference to you know knowing some of these knowing some things about the area uh, from way back in his day um, and so it's, it's like a conversation across time a little bit here. And that's, that's, uh, when, when two worlds meet is where we get some interesting interactions in this sort of fiction. Um, so I think that's part of what contributes. That's a great point. And that like a lot of times when we notice differences between people, it's uh, one of the hallmark differences is a difference of distance, but this is a different, a difference of, you know, time distance, which is, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but that's true. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, I, it, this maybe dabbles a little bit into what did we learn about the realms, but I, I love adding another underworld to my belt of underworlds that I've experienced, right? So this is yet a new one in terms of the water and flowing into the, stream, the rivers and things, and the, every, all the souls flow out to the sea, um, mm-hmm. which uh, I keep them coming. I want to, I want to, I don't ever want to stop learning about new underworlds. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd, if, if Age of Sigmar was just new underworlds, I don't think I'd mind. Um, and so uh, I like the, the creative way that, you know, different authors can come up with different, you know, examples of how, how what could be very much an infinite number of underworlds in the realm of Shish. So, Shish, uh, so that's very neat. I'm going to ask who your MVP was. I'm going to snag him before you can. I'm going with Birazan. Yeah, obviously. Uh, uh, purely on the strength of that speech. That was cool. So, mm-hmm. um, I sometimes like to take something weird, <laughs> but, 
uh, I think that's a, that's a solid through and through. Um, I do like to think about if that was a realm gate, um, who's on the other end and just has like a rock, a truck, <laughs> like <laughs> fall <Crunch>. through. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> oh, dang. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's definitely not dead and like <laughs> probably upset as well. Uh, regenerating as he falls yeah. and shows Full up strength superhero lands um yeah. knee down uh, club <laughs> I, in his hand. I think a, i think a rock gut superhero landing is just straight on top of his head <laughs> <laughs> but good thing he's maybe wearing that rock helmet so that like, he yeah. just cracks the rock and then he's fine <laughs> um, that's legit uh yeah obviously beers i think is my answer too um but i will call shout out to solia um she i if for no other reason because i like her because of the potential it's it's, mm. it's what she could be is what has made her very interesting to me um mm-hmm. in that uh i don't i can't is she trapped or is she there willingly it seems like she's part of this ring but um yeah. like is it could she leave when she where she wanted to um i really like that i don't know dynamic um the again it seems like she might be very much like a maybe a conscious character on on his shoulders i think at one point she mentions the fact she's like ah, ah, ah like don't like or like you should have fed uh, before don't like don't go killing everybody things of that nature um yeah. so i i like to see that back and forth she kind of reminds me it's not exactly the same thing but it reminds me of the sprite that was on that was with prince mesa it, it mm-hmm. the personality is completely different utter, you know utterly different but it allows your character that you're following who you may not necessarily have as many character traits right out the gate. Like you don't know them as well. It gives you a chance to learn about them as they interact with whoever's like following them. Right. It gives them something to bounce their personality off of. For sure. um, I think this is definitely going to be helpful going forward. Um, So there's, I think more to learn from her as well. And I think she was like a, like a, maybe a handwriting teacher maybe she was a global teacher i'm like a tutor of all things but at one point he mentions that like she had taught him how to write things or with a paintbrush or something like that so i'm like oh is she like a calligrapher maybe Ooh, let's see yeah. how this uh, plays out yeah, yeah so that's neat um i mentioned a thing when i learned about the mortal realms that i didn't know did you learn anything about the mortal realms that you didn't know uh, i wouldn't say specifically in this one uh learning learned a little bit with the uh with the white dwarf story from this one would be how vampires, you know, power power over vampires by having some blood from their bloodline, something like sure. that. So. Yeah, that's new, at least new to me. Maybe that's common elsewhere. Um, yeah. I'll also point out vampires who aren't jerks, um, or I mean, not to say he's not a jerk, he very well could be a jerk, but like he, yeah. who, who has like a code and like doesn't seem to be so inherently tied to what, you know, the rest of the Soul Blight Gravelords are doing. I don't think I have another example of a guy who's sort of flexing his autonomy a little bit choosing not to like just eat on eat on the innocence like yeah i guess i never rule it out initially but this is the first time that i've seen it in action so yeah maybe there's something special about this guy that allows him to do that or maybe there's a whole bunch of like chill vampires running around and we just don't see them um so i I, real real cool vampires with chill vibes yeah so totally chill um so I, i i want to know if this is a him thing or if this is like a, a maybe more of a universal thing. And I don't know how you define that. Or like when I say, I want to know what, how do you definitively state one way or the other, but maybe by learning more about him, we'll learn about what it means to be a chill, cool vampire. Do you have any other recommendations for other black library stories that you want to call out? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Yeah. I feel like the obvious ones are just his other hollow night or hollow King, uh, stories. So there's, yeah. The one I mentioned before, there's this one, and then the sequel that I didn't look up. It's the uh, the Tower of Empty Mirrors. Cato is a short story by John Elvish. So that's the sequel here, and then it's leading into the. I think it's just called the Hollow King is the novel. Um, okay. So 
that's coming out. So those are my recommendations, though. If you want to read other stories related to minis that are coming out, you probably have already listened to our Drecky Flint uh, uh, review, but he's got some other short stories you might read. There also, there's another one in The White Dwarf, too, and then he's got a novel coming as well. Mm. Um, so, hey, listeners, that's enough for now. You've got plenty on your plate to read, um, so catch yeah. up. Uh, finally, we'll just say, what is your, what did you think of this short story? We'll wrap it up with that. Uh, I liked it. I, uh, again, specifically for the interaction at the end, uh, I actually enjoyed the white dwarf story a little more. Um, mm-hmm. felt, felt, uh, that it, I, there's more new there. Um, mm-hmm. it was fine having a, having, you know, a, a battle in the dark. Uh, but what I like for it is what it set up and, uh, the character. So I like it enough that I'm definitely going to go on and, uh, read the next one. Um, so just, uh, go, uh, scoop that up on my phone and read it, uh, as I go to sleep tonight, probably. Um, so I'll give it, uh, six out of nine iron rings Ooh. on his fingers. So. Cool. Did he have nine? I didn't catch that. That's cool. Uh, I think that was specifically mentioned nine rings in the, uh, first in the white dwarf one so okay i'm changing a little bit but sure that's fine um what is there is there nine human rings in the lord of rings doesn't matter uh well did i did i like it um i'm almost exactly to your point i think the first one set the the white dwarf story sets it up a little better right we learn about like who he is and what he's doing so it, it's it seems i'm sorry listeners we i wasn't thinking when we scheduled this one maybe i would have done things differently but like all in all i, th- I recommend all of the short stories about hollow king just sort of taken as a whole maybe each individual one doesn't stand out per se but it's really part of a larger mosaic um this one was fine again the fight in the dark like you said it what it, it wasn't bad and i kind of like the way john french writes like this was my first exposure to like how he writes a story and he's very descriptive and like i like the way he's just, like the the choice of words like it it's um he he's descriptive in both um yeah, poetic's not the word but like uh he takes some there's a there is a poetry in how he describes some things and so I, that it stood out to me in some points where i was reading a sentence or two and i'm like oh well said my man like, good job yeah um so that's uh great um Trogvers vampire is fine but like you said the speech at the end was hints of the uh the the back and forth from monsters which is one this one's beast that one's monsters i love i love that dynamic and i love the little glimpse of it here and i think what draws me to these stories the most is the mystery i'm a sucker you, you tricked me you pulled me in by dangling stuff in front of me uh mr french that makes me want to read the next one because I, I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for not knowing i gotta know like what's this yeah. guy's backstory where did he come from what's his mission how is he going to get there why is he only you know chew on the damned um and so you if for no other reason you did a great job setting you know setting the hook essentially and so hey listeners if you want to get if you want a hook setting you too um go ahead and read uh, these hollow king stories man i make it sound so appealing don't i um all right oh, i gotta give it a number oh um, blood i don't know i'd give it i'd give it an uh, seven and a half out of ten vials of vampire blood i guess Man, that's the worst. I'm the worst. It's a good thing these vials, are only... Vials of spider acre. Oh, it's vials of spider. Or just maybe vials of gross liquid. Vials of things. Yeah, yeah vials of things. Uh, maybe almost an eight. So there's that. I really ruined this episode. Uh, anything? Any final thoughts before we get the heck out of here? No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, then, it's time for our reforging. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter, at The Mortal Realms. Davey, where can they find you online? At red underscore Zeke. Excellent. And I'm Aaron. You can find me at Dos Asos uh, on Twitter. And you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. Always an hour. <laughs> no matter what.
everyone. It's Aaron, your latest member of the Mortal Realms. Uh, not that I'm the newest member. On the contrary, we seem to keep adding folks to the roster at an alarming pace. But rather, I'm the most late, like all the time, like with this episode even. Uh, what we've got here is a bonus episode featuring a collection of the more recent Pocket Realms episodes that Davey and myself have put together over the past many months. Um, you heard one already, and then there's two more coming on this episode. However, I wanted to let you know that I think this might be the last Pocket Realms trilogy episode I release on this feed, uh, at least for a while. I think I'll probably still drop individual episodes occasionally on this feed uh, when it feels right, when the spirit moves me. Um but maybe that's not enough for you. And if not, I don't blame you. Uh, then your best bet is probably to head on over to themortalrealms.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash themortalrealms and subscribe yourself right up because at the free guild level, uh, you get all the pocket realms you could possibly want right when they release every single one. Um, I could add more, but I'm not going to because I'm worried this is going to turn into an ad and I don't want that. So instead, I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to let you get back to those realms that would fit in your pocket. Oh my gosh, can you even imagine? Welcome to the Pocket Realm, a Mortal Realm short story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies to the Realm Gates this episode are... I'm Davey, and hey, Aaron. Hey. I got a question for you. <laughs> What's the difference between an ignorant wanderer and an indifferent Kurnathi? I don't know, Dunley. I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> and I'm Aaron, and shot through the heart, Radicar's to blame. You give Soulblight a bad name. This is dumb. That was a dumb one. Uh, let's just get, let's just move past it. Um, today we're going <laughs> to talk about uh, the Hunter's Quarry by Colin Harvey. I think Colin B. Harvey is maybe what the book says. Um, which is a nice uh, little short story that came out relatively recently during Elf, Elf uh, Week. Nope, we're this far into Age of Sigmar. We shouldn't make fun of the word Elf anymore. <laughs> it's been done. Um, but before we do, hey, Davey, how, how's it going? How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I got the kids out of town visiting a grandparent. My wife's uh, laid up with COVID. I'm dodging that right now. So uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, hobby time. Um, which is kind of nice. I'm unfortunately spending a lot of it editing things. Sure. That is unfortunate. But in some ways, you're welcome for giving you an opportunity to get away from uh, <laughs> um, COVID Central. Um, ironically enough, at least one, one of my kids is away with a grandparent. Um, we shipped off one of them, the mm. easiest one, unfortunately. Sorry, future children, um, that you, you may or may not realize which one of you is the easy child. I apologize. Um, hopefully they never listen to this. But cool. Glad to hear it. Um, editing has got to get done. Necessary evil. Um, but uh, if I can't imagine that's the only hobby, hobby that you've been doing. This is a great segue into, hey, Davey, what have you been up to in the hobby? Any books that you've been reading? Any games that you've been playing? Any hobbying that you've been doing? Well, for uh, hobby, I uh, got a replacement copy of Nether Maze because the first one came with a fair amount of damage to some of the models. And oh, I'm right. okay doing some repair on that, but uh, some of them were they hadn't broken until they'd bent quite a bit and that that seemed a little challenging to repair but oh, uh yeah. customer service is great about sending a replacement so i assembled up that box so i'm excited to maybe put some of those into action um and uh playing some playing some underworlds and then uh book wise i just listened to um bark skins it's an annie pruel book and she's one of my top three authors of all time i want to say and it was a real marathon lesson, like 26, 27 hours. Oh, geez. Uh, so when I, when I got done, I was like, ah, oh, that was really good. 
what did I do before in the before <laughs> times before I was listening to this book on audio? And so I'm like rediscovering podcasts. Uh, now that, now that, <laughs> Is it concept? Like the, the concept of podcasts, like guys, the, the concept of listening to them and not just recording and editing them. Sure. 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 Um, about you? I, I have no concept of how, like, if that is a long audiobook or not, I'm getting through context that it sounds like that, that is, it sounds like that that is a long book, but you could have told me an average audiobook is like 50 hours and I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I read that. You a gallon of milk is 50 bucks. So if it's <laughs> what length it of audiobooks and cost of groceries. <laughs> Oh man, listeners, there's a fun game that uh, my friends uh, play with my wife uh, in that it's, let's see what Aaron thinks uh, common groceries cost. And it's just, it's just good for a laugh for everybody because uh, I have no concept. Um, well, that's me telling on myself a little bit. All right. Um, so what have I been up to in the hobby? Still doing daughter stuff. I'm so slow, Davey. Um, but I'm getting close. I've, I've moved into the arena of Shades Box, which I was uh, excited to finally do. So um, we'll do some of the... I'd already done the gladi- Gladiatrix, put her together. I'm going to do the... Honestly, saving the worst for last. So I'll probably get through the... I don't know what's worse. The, um, the horse... Like warlock looking dudes. I don't know. I just feel like they don't fit the army or mm. the uh, the gals with the whips because whips are garbage. Um, and yeah. so ooh, I've been really push, putting these things off. Um, it's, uh, it's you talking about daughters. That was another recent hobby thing I did since I haven't been on the story phase for a couple episodes. I got to listen back. And so uh, I don't know much about the daughters of Cain, honestly. So it was, uh, it was a good listen for me right up until the uh, after credits part. <laughs> I didn't case, think you'd listen to it. Josh tried to throw me under the bus by making you give me more editing to do. And you threw me under the bus saying that I do a bad job at it. I, it, so was a on the list. it was obviously a joke. It was obviously a joke. As if I wasn't already on the list. Um, <laughs> can't be on the list maybe multiple lists um but yeah that's what i've been oh as far as books that i've been reading i keep i'm behind on the moral realms book club uh which mm. you two listeners can join if you uh join up on our discord at www.themoralrealms.com slash discord where every month we read uh age of sigmar black library novel which fortunately they've been coming out relatively regularly um i wanted to read hollowed ground but i missed that month and so i started it but then i'm like oh nope next month started and so i had to hop into um uh, what is it called? God's, I already God's forget. Bane. God's, God's Bane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm really, really digging it. But then like we had to do this episode. I'm like, oh, set that one down and pick up the short story. Um, so I'm perpetually behind in, in more ways than one, in all um, but I'll get there or, or I won't, I don't know, and that's just life. Um, but that's all I got to share for today. So is there anything else you want to chat about before we hop into the story phase? No, let's get to the story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. The Kurnothi, Kulathis the Exile, seeks bitter revenge on the vampires that have defiled her homeland and killed her brother. Man, first of all, bravo with that segue. That was perfect. That was You've done this before. Um, yes, we are talking about uh, The Hunter's Quarry by Colin Harvey. Like I had mentioned before, Elf Week uh, release. Um, it had Kurnoth... Or- like a Karnathi story on the, on the cover. And we said, let's, let's do it. Um, which leads into my question of why, why are we reading this? Um, I think I posed you the entire, I might've posed you the entire, uh, list of elf, elf stories, Davey. What about yeah. this one jumped out at you? Uh, specifically, we don't know much about Karnathi in general. Um, they, we've seen a, a war band. We've seen, uh, the fighter pop up in Curse City, Kulathis, the exile. Mm-hmm. Uh, aforementioned and uh outside of that do we really have anything 
I don't think so. No, not as yeah. far as I know. I mean, I don't know where the Kurnoth hunters fall into play. And quite frankly, I don't know that I, I still don't necessarily know, which we might find out more when the Sylvanus Battletone drops and we finally cover it, because that's the only time I ever read about this stuff. Mm. Um, but as far as Kurnoth are concerned, I don't I don't know much more personally. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, that was the main motivation. It says that uh, I think we often use this to kind of, it's either, uh, jump onto something that we have like an affection for, or, uh, try to find something that explores something we haven't looked at in a while. Um, so, yeah. Hey, another good point, because yeah, that's part of the reason why I was interested in this is because I love me some wood elves. And although the wanderers exist in Age of Sigmar, it seems as if the Kurnathi might be. I still don't know, quite frankly, uh, if the Karnathi are the spiritual successors to the Wood Elves. And so because of that, I was drawn to this here story. And also to your point, I don't know much about them and I would like to learn more. Um, I mean, when they what, first dropped in that uh, Beast Grave uh, box, I that's 100% what I thought. I was like, oh, okay, well, like here's the twist that they're going to do. Here's what Wood Elves are going to be in Age of Sigmar. And that was a couple of years ago now. Wow, back, man. We haven't really seen anything more of them. So, yeah, agreed. Um, really slow, really slow rolling this. I haven't given up hope. I mean, it in the same way that it took a little bit for Dark Oath to get rolling. And I, I would argue maybe they're still not rolling. There are plenty of examples of like, I don't know, side sub factions that, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll dabble, they'll drip, um, and they'll never necessarily grab the spotlight. And this might just be one of, one of those, which. I wish that wasn't true. I wish that wasn't the case, but we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see. Um, I, I think GW also does a good job about like just sitting on stuff until them, till the time is right. And, uh, one day they'll, they'll drop a whole bunch. I mean, they could drop a whole bunch of stuff out of nowhere and we wouldn't have seen it coming. So, hmm. um, never do that. Fingers crossed. Uh, so that is the why, um, let's talk about the when of this story. David, do you have any thoughts on when this tale takes place? See, I knew you were going to ask that. Um, I actually because I ask it every time. Dun dun dun! A little bit. Of, well, yeah, exactly. But uh, for once, I anticipated uh, a little bit, thought about it a little bit in advance. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, we, we know pretty clearly when it's happening because Kulathus uh, is battling forces that are aligned with Radukar, mm-hmm. but has not yet gone to Ulfenkarn. So it is post existence of Radukar, uh, pre-Cursed City. So I was like, oh, I'll just look that up and see when it happened. There's some, there's some like canonical problems here. Oh. Like my understanding is that Radukar, like the citizens of Ulfenkarn struck a deal with him to, to help, uh, in their defense. Uh, and once he was already installed after a while, he kind of, uh, the Necroquake is what, what gave him extra surge of energy, um, more bestial, uh, as his necromantic, you know, energies spiked and mm-hmm. things got real bad. This one talks about him like invading Ulf and Karn. Uh, and so the, uh, as far as I could figure, there wasn't a clear, like, this is when Radokar like actually invaded the city. Um, oh. So uh, theoretically, if he is being a violent, nasty boy, it is post Necroquake. But it's not like soul blighter awesome all the time. So, uh, and, and I think his arrival at Ulf and Karn dates back to the age of chaos. So all of a sudden, because it's unclear, because the way this marries up with Canon is unclear, then the, the timeline's a little, 
I got you. Yeah, no, and I, I agree in that I think it it generally fits into, you know, a, a timeline like you, you get the beats of what, what will happen, what has happened or what will happen. But it, you're right. It may be faint playing fast and loose with some of the, the details. Um, I didn't stop to think that hard and that like I knew Radicar rolled up an car at one point and I know he's a bad dude and he ends up taking over the city at one point. And so it that was enough for me to place that this is she is caught in the wake of that and um well i won't say what happens next we'll talk about it in a little bit but um so like that generality is enough for me so it's around that time um but just a good point like if you if you look at it too closely i think some of the cracks in the timeline show um which it's not uncommon for stories like this especially because i think this is the um is colin's first black library uh tale which is not to say he doesn't follow the lore closely i'm sure he does but like it's it's uh Black Library isn't necessarily known for like adhering to timelines uh, sure. as as closely. So, to that, I'll say I, I, I can forgive and, and forget in that it, it 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 tends it makes sense in the general um, of how this, these timelines line up. Maybe not so much in the specific. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Good point, though. I hadn't even thought I, had, I hadn't thought about it that hard. Um, I mean, I didn't think I was going to, uh, but I was like. Uh, let me just, you know, look up the timeline of Ulf and Karn, have some sense of that, uh, and then and fill down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Sure, sure. I would have slammed my computer closed. No, not today. You'll not trick me. Um, all right, let's talk about let's talk about the where. Um, did any wares jump out at you? <laughs> wares jump out. It's like a werewolf jumps out. Anyways, um, did, did, did the, the location? You, you got it. Like just <laughs> keep riffing. It can only get better. Um, Definitely can't get worse. Uh, so there's some, they call it the wield, which is where the, uh, where these, uh, Karnathi are living. Um, if I didn't know that Ulfenkarn and Radakar were chilling in Shyish, I would have no idea that this was in Shyish, but it is. Yeah, true. So speaking of looking stuff up, I looked up wield. Um, and first of all, it's confusing because like all the first Google results are all talking about the region of England. Um, and so I'm like, no, I, this has to mean a general thing. I, I don't think they're in England. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't believe so anyways. <laughs> uh, and so I think it just means forest or possibly like that, which makes sense if we're dealing with Karnathi, they're living in a forest. Um, I don't know if that's a wield, wield uh, with a capital W. Like I, I don't know the region around Ulfenkarn all that well to identify. In fact, that's literally the name of a forest in Shyish, or if they just use that term for therefore i mean like just is that their word for forest are all forests yeah, my, all that i'm not sure my instinct was that this was a was what they were referring to um like it was their sort of internal word for it but okay gotcha gotcha so I don't know, uh, sure. makes sense that well it may not make sense but it there are forests in shyish they probably got folks living there no reason why the, the karnathi wouldn't be living there either so um that's that's my take for sure uh let's talk about the who uh there's a uh at the very least a character or a character or characters that we are are aware of ahead of going into this story and that's going to be kulathis the exile the we were talking about before the new um kurnathi uh character that was included in curse city um she's got she's a bow elf she's got antlers but this is essentially a, a, a backstory for her. This is just this is a tale that shows you know where she comes from and it gives it fleshes out that uh, character a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, did anything grab you about uh, Kulathis? Um, 
or, or, or did you know anything about, I should say, did you know anything about Kulathus before you read this story at all? Uh, essentially, no. I just knew it was Kulathus, the exile, and she makes it into Curse City at some point. I've not read the um, book and I only played the the one mission, although I still got the box and sh- shrink wrap on top of uh, ah. container. Uh, I was this idea at some point my my kids will want to play it. That's a lot of assembly and painting I'll have to do. Oh, yeah, it is. That's, I think what I'm going to do next, actually, is after I'm done with the daughters, I'm going to switch to that. Um, so that's the, that, so I've been talking about Kalathas, uh, the exile. I mean, the one thing we knew is she was an exile, right? It's in the name. And yeah. I don't know if it spoils anything in that, like, this story maybe gets to why she's the exile. Uh, mm. So um, that essentially is all I knew. I, I don't believe she's in. I didn't finish. I can't say. I don't. I haven't read too much about her either. I, I didn't. If I if I were a better lore podcaster, I would have read Curse the Curse City novel. I would have read the book, like the book in the game uh, cover to cover. But I didn't, dear listeners, because um, I'm bad at this. And uh, I'm sure she's got some you know, blurbs or insights a little bit into who she is. But I think this probably fleshes her out quite a bit. So or this short story does. So I'll hold on, and you'll we'll find out more. Uh, stick with us. Um, before we jump into our spoiler section, David, is there any other any what's that you want to cover before we get into it? Uh, not for me. Yeah, I don't think so either. Other than the fact that yes, this is a, a flashback. This is a little bit of a, a catch up for for Kualathus, the exile. All right, let's do uh, let's do some spoiler stuff in the the. God, I got to ramp up for this the spoiler phase. Um, it takes some <laughs> it takes some inertia to get there. All right. Um, Short story, not particularly long. They never are. Uh, we t- we are in the point. We start with the point of view of not Kulathus at all, but a vampire. And it takes a second for us to realize that she's even a vampire. Davy, was this as disorienting for you as it was for me? Um, no, because like one of the first words that they say is Kasargi or Kasargi, Kasargi, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. And I was I I recognize that as the ogre bodyguards from mm-hmm. her city, and so I was like, okay. Um, I, I assume we're starting off from the perspective of antagonists here. Rub it in. Um, I guess I'm the dumb one. Because, uh, I, I mean, there was the antlers on the cover. Uh, I knew I had known. Someone had mentioned to me that this was going to be a Colossus story. And, or maybe I, mean, I read the blurb. And, and like, so there's this there's this vampire lady, but she's, like, muscling around these Stargate. And I'm like, I don't who, is this how she does? Is she is she friends with the zombies? Like what what is this elf doing? And it took me a very long time to realize that no, this is actually um, a vampire. And so I guess it's not uncommon for Black Library to have the points of views of their books be the enemies of like the main like subjects of the story. And so eventually it occurred to me that like all right, well maybe the story will be from the undead and like oh maybe the the Karnathi are going to be like the, the 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 scary ones, right? Like oh they're they're striking yeah, from the cool. trees. You yeah. you can see how they'd be the enemy, right? Um, yeah. It. It, it is short-lived because she. Um, it turns out that she and her bodyguards are on the hunt after this uh, Karnathi. Um, apparently, this like this girl. I think they refer to her as. And um, it. She's she's laying in the woods after they've been chasing her for a while. The vampire realizes, oh, this is probably a this is probably a trap. Um, so she holds her bodyguards back, and so there's a fun little blurb about how the the ogres look down and they're surprised that how she's physically able to like hold them back from this because they're they big, she little. Um, yeah. But uh, she realizes this is a trap. Ogres don't seem to care. And she's like, all right, fine, your funeral. Uh, and lets him in uh, to like close in on this, you know, downed Karnathi girl. And ha, surprise, was a trap all along. And then this is where the introduction to some of our more main characters, some of our elven characters are. Uh, they leap to action, which is what we find here. Um, yeah. How did this opening scene work for you, Davey? Well, 
Well, I, I, the thing I got a little fixated on was that this, uh, the ostensible reason that this Kurnathi was even like up in their territory was she was, she was stealing an ornamental plate or something. Oh yeah. Like, I was like, what, an ornamental plate? What are we talking about here? Uh, and when they, who was she, my grandma? Her, she's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's like made it look like she's tripped on a root, knocked herself out and broken the plate. And the vampire's like, come on, <laughs> you didn't trip on a root. Come on. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, then she's like, yep, sure enough, it was a trap. And then Kulatis gets the, uh, the action movie one liner, like, and so is this standing <laughs> behind her and shoots her with an arrow that explodes her into a million billion pieces so. yeah dodge this casual yeah Pow. um and she explodes uh there's also another karnathi uh, whose name i am about to utter in two seconds landstarn um who's a, a dude karnathi and he wields like a silver javelin or something mm-hmm. like that um which i thought was a pretty cool so that's essentially it was the i don't know if you, the cold open of this story is vampire perspective chasing this karnathi girl then they're ambushed and, and utterly destroyed um score one for the, the Karnathi team. Um, and that's how the story opens. Um, anything else grab you from this scene before we, we switch perspectives in, I guess, time? Uh, no, that was, uh, it was a ambush from which they are victorious. Back to the ornamental plate though. Uh, the piece of it is used like of almost, almost deadly weapon, uh, splits, splits a head. That's not quite enough to finish off one of these Kasargi who, uh, this, this leader Kosargi takes a whole lot to, to get down first has its head split open by a piece of plate and then he gets javelined in the back of the head, arrowed in the back of the knee. And even the javelin has to get twisted in the head before it goes down. Woof. Rough stuff. Yeah. All right. But yes, this, this All scene right. sort of establishes Kurnathi are super rad. Yeah. Powerful. OP. Um, yeah. All right, and so we circle back. Or, I mean, after this, the the scene ends and it opens back up. And I think the um, Kurnat, or yeah, the Kurnati, this band of Kualathus and her friends. Um, oh gosh, I don't remember it well enough. I mean, because it's tricky because there's a bunch of flashbacks dropped in. So plot wise, I know what happens next. But is they? I guess they they we, we get a chance to like learn about this this crew a little bit and what what ties them together. Um, I think they are heading towards. Um, they're making their way towards this, I guess, camp, or I think at one point it turns into a fortress. It's like the center of their old ancestral home because they had been driven away from it. And the story spends some time sort of explaining how this came to be, flashback, uh, why they are, why they, where they are, and sort of them, yeah. their reflections on it. Um, it turns out that uh, Kulatlis had this brother whose name is Norago. Uh, Norago is best friends with Landstarn. I don't know, maybe there's a slight romantic interest in uh, Mira, who is that sort of bait uh, gal. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, they were, they're were they all they're fairly close-knit. They were living in harmony with nature, as you know, wood elf or wood elf placements often do uh yeah. but it was then the fire nation attack i'm sorry then uh radicar and his uh vampires um attacked yeah. uh, they sort of reflect on the fact that like oh we should have known like they 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 got the drop on us to some degree they they attacked our our um our outposts or or what have you um we, we couldn't hold them at bay uh, and then she talks to them. It just, it was an inevitable, overwhelming force wiping out the, the Karnathi in this woods, um, doing a fair number of sort of eliminating the leadership structure. Those that survive had to escape. They get exiled. Um, and a lot of, uh, Kulathus family members, her father and seemingly her brother are also, uh, killed. Um, 
how did you take this 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 flashback, this explanation of of uh, historical events? Well, there was uh, there's some beats here that were you know I was hoping for some insight into what it was to be Kurnothi. They seem pretty isolationist, you know, right out of the gate. They're saying, um, you know, the the wield is all, the wield is the world, and Kulathas, who is more interested in uh, doing a little more exploration, gets. It discovers like, well, hey, it's not actually true. There's a lot more out there than just the wheel. It's actually just a small part of things. And it uh, talks about, there's even a line there about um, encountering their uh, cousins, uh, their temperamental Sylvaneth cousins, which uh, I, I don't know that that relationship, it ever, I've ever seen it written like that. I don't know that I've seen any relationship at all written, quite frankly. So Sure. So you know I mean? uh, that was a... Uh, piece of uh, noteworthy information uh and then uh yeah they the the invading soul blight are, are wrecking everything and uh there's a there's a long uh thing where her her father gives a uh a statement he says talks about how her brother was kind of uh appeared to have been gobbled up or, or singled out her brother helped the elders escape um and she and her father stays alive long enough to kind of recount this horrific attack. And uh, his dying word is revenge. So that is uh, what her motivation is from here on out. Yeah. And what, what more powerful motivation is there than that? So um, that essentially sets the scene or sort of describes the the driving force behind this crew. They all um, know, they, they have sort of shared, uh, I don't know, the history uh, from a, from a you know, racer um societal aspect but then they also have sort of the shared love of this and uh, this brother that is probably gotten gobbled up as well and so that is i think a lot of that is driving them forward and they're heading towards uh the seat of power for the soul blight soul blight in their world apparently they it it they'd taken over and and a, a region of this um of this forest and that's the direction that they're headed um while they travel there i think they um uh pass through some woods where they find a lot of their elven friends family uh uh you know other citizens of their of their society who've been strung up in these trees and are being bloodletted uh which that seems par for the course that sounds like a very soul blight thing to do and uh this is uh, a point of a little bit of um descent in the ranks where her allies want to start cutting these folks down and either whether either tried to save them or or end their misery is probably more likely. Yeah, Mari's like, hey, let's save them. And Colossa says, no, 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 that is not revenge. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, they make an appeal. They're like, wouldn't your father be pretty proud of you if you saved people? She's like, ah, right. So it's almost a mirror of that uh, first where uh, the vampire lord was like, uh, you know, like, it's probably a trap. We shouldn't go in there. And Colossus is like, yeah, it's not on mission. We probably shouldn't go in there. Okay, fine, we do. <laughs> and in both cases, it goes badly. Yeah, sure does. Because in the process of trying to, like, cut them down or, or, or save them in some way, uh, they are beset by more vampires. Oh, no. Um, and now there's a bunch of them, whereas I think they were just fighting the one before. Uh, and this fight doesn't go nearly as cleanly. Um, I believe it's here where Mira gets taken down. Like, a big old chunk of her neck gets uh, bit out. Um 
but eventually the the um, the Karnathi are the, the remaining two um, do survive, and uh, I think they, they eliminate all the vampires. Right? They don't escape, do they? Right. They they kind of eliminate the vampires, but then more are going to be coming, so they got to run for it. Booyana there. So they head towards like I think they, there's a hole hole that they know. There's a secret secret den or something that they can lay low in, um, and this is more opportunity for reflection. And again, how they it's a lot of it's some downtime for a hot second. Um, I don't know that did was there much being done in that downtime or should we just keep going story-wise only that uh kulathis kind of figures uh this my i don't want to risk any more of my friends i'm all in on revenge i know mm-hmm. what i need to do and so basically kulathis drugs lance tarn so that he sleeps heavier and then uh, slips away to go take care of this lieutenant uh one of radicar's lieutenants who is kind of leading this whole escapade yeah, which is nice because we can, it's a good job writing the story in that like you can have a big bad, but have it not be Radicar. And it makes sense like how this worked. Like Radicar marched on um, with his forces, or maybe they weren't even the ones who were in the whale, I can't remember. Um, but there's this lieutenant who's now in charge of like the, the goings on, the soul blight uh, mission in this woods. And so it's it's that's the target um, that she has now uh, for her revenge mission. And that dude's name is uh, Zachramice. Sacrifice. That sounds right. Um, so she heads and she finds uh, sort of uh, their. I keep saying sort of their their central compound. It's it's they dug out this hole. I think and there's like earthen walls to some degree. Uh, and there's a big old party going on as she creep as she sort of creeps in and climbs the walls. Um, and it turns out it's very much a uh, a classic soul blight. Um, both sophisticated and also drinking a lot of blood uh, at the same time. Uh, scene uh, where he's, this this lieutenant is holding court. Um, there's, he's got a lot of hangers on. Um, he's got servants, which let's put a pin in that. Um, mm-hmm. And so she is essentially trying to infiltrate and try to figure out how she can get to her um, her quarry down. You know, sort of down below. She looks down from these walls, which is this lieutenant. Um, David, what you, you think about this? Did, did the scene did the scene seem authentic to you? Uh, sure. I, there's, I mean, it, it, I'll talk about it a bit later, but you know, it, 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 uh, was fine. Like it, it was, uh, it felt a little, she ends up having the drop gotten on her mm-hmm. while she's kind of, uh, watching things, which felt a little more plotty than consistent with how she's acted up until now. Um, so I think they refer to her as an assassin, right? Like, I think at some point she's like, she's a, a renowned assassin and like, Rule number one in assassinship, everybody knows this, uh, is don't, you're supposed to get the drop on them. Do not let them get the drop on you. Yeah. But she must have forgotten. Part of it is that she does uh, realize that her brother is here, uh, oh, basically yeah. as a zombie, um, as, as a hollowed out version of himself staggering around, and he is one of the servants. So it's kind of the shock of that that lets, yeah. uh, true, true. lets a couple soul blight uh, catch her, knock her out, and then tie her up. Yeah, and it's it's I mean shocking to see your brother as a soul blood, um, but he's also getting knocked around a little bit. Like he's not being treated with respect, um, yeah. and that's even to my mind that was even more jarring, right? To see this vampire be real mean to this uh, elven zombie that he's created. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Like you want to really bully somebody, then you like bully him in life, kill him, bring him back as a zombie, then bully him, bully him as in a death. zombie. Ooh. Yeah, 
which I think that was that was the point, maybe though, right? Because the brother had like done done some work uh, during that invasion, right? And so I think this is a particular insult to him because yeah. he had helped save the, some of the elders, and I'm sure he dropped a bunch of vampires in the process. And so this was he he very much was being punished, like specifically. Um, yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Uh, but like you said, yeah, she gets knocked out in her infiltration and um, she comes to eventually all her weapons are taken. She's all tied up. And uh, the the classic villain montage where the lieutenant has to have some choice, choice uh, jabs, barbs, perhaps um, uh, really getting his final his final um, monologue, final monologue uh, to really uh, stick it home to her. It's in this during this that he realizes that she recognizes the zombie. And so he maybe in a very quick leap of logic realizes oh no you know him oh no you love that dude like you, you guys are related um and so he thinks oh what what a delicious what a delicious punishment that we have here um i'm gonna have your brother eat your face um as zombies are, are prone to do and so he he uh he orders the zombie to go and eat her face uh and the zombie shambles closer and closer and all the while she's trying to get him to wake up she's trying to like appeal to some sort of not humanity but elf vanity um in, in his person hey it's me um what is what's uh she says something what is it it's uh, oh the brother always wins what's his name Narago always wins, which is a line she used to throw there. They had some game, which was leaping from tree branch to tree branch. And it was like, I don't know, treetop soccer, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, her brother would take it so hard when he lost, she would always kind of throw the game at the last minute. And so there was a saying that he was proud of Narago always wins. Yeah. And so he's got his hands on her head. I mean, he's going to start squishing it like a melon and she gets it, looks, looks him dead in the eye. Narago always wins. And he, for a split second, realizes what's going on, who he is and um, stops. And I think does he, he stumbles after the Lieutenant or something like that in, in revenge, which I don't know if this if that works. I don't know how that works. I don't know enough about Undead to say if this is possible or not, but in this story, it is possible. And he lunges at the vampire who was unready for this. In fact, I feel like he was, he was like leaning close to watching the no, no zombie in the face and it throws him off, uh, off balance. And then like all hell breaks loose, essentially the, the other vampires are there to try and rescue their Lord. Um, Colathus is able to get out. Oh, cause the zombie actually breaks her out, right? Her, her brother like breaks her bonds. Um, but all she has, uh, Oh, we missed the arrow part, right? I missed the whole thing. Uh, at one point, she had launched. She had there was an uh, arrow freed in the process, and the vampire ended up having got the, got hold of the arrow. But she then gets the arrow back because it was sticking out of her brother, who the vampire had stabbed. Um, yeah. And so now she's got the, her lone weapon is this oak of ages past arrow, and she's like, "Well, what am I going to do with this?" Uh, apparently, a lot. Um, <laughs> and things things go south. Davey, uh, tell me about tell me about what happens or what what struck you about. Well, she's still in a pretty bad way here because it's her and her zombie brother who may not stay you know opposed for very long, and she has one arrow. Except Landstarn wakes up just in time to come uh, diving in with his silver javelin and create enough of a ruckus to uh, kind of give her a chance to do her thing. Um, so. She dodges, weaves around, comes to face face to face with uh, Zachary's, and uh, he ends up uh, decapitating Narago. So he's he's kind of distracted briefly by that uh, zombie attack, and he's like, "Hey, you missed!" And she's, "I didn't fail." And he looks down, and he's movie style got the arrow in his chest, and then explodes. And then he, uh, then he uh, like MCU snap, like disintegrates <laughs> into like ash. Yeah, uh, and gone. Yeah. 
and that's it. It, it kind of doesn't take us through the rest of the fight. Uh, she is standing on a hilltop. She's got her quiver bow. She's got Mira's knife. Um, and, uh, she knows that this is just one part of it. Things are going to keep happening. So she needs to go, uh, take care of the problem at its root. She's avenged her family. Now she's avenged her people and she heads towards Olfenkarn. Yeah. Radkar's got a target on his back. Um, also a wolf pelt on his back. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, uh, it's worth mentioning that her friend with this silver javelin is like leading the vampires off on like a wild chase. I think they probably, the assumption is that they caught him eventually. It was very much a suicide mission, um, mm. was my guess there. That's um, true. Though, if you die off screen, maybe next book, <laughs> maybe next story, he comes swooping in again um, every time. Um, all right. So, yeah, that about sums up the story. Do we miss anything else plot wise? No, I think that uh, was it. I think it's uh, notable that she's exiled specifically because she continued to uh, try to seek this revenge that her father hypothetically tasked her with, with his final word. Uh, whereas the rest of the elders were like, hey, let's not uh, let's not poke the beast. We've got another place to run to. Let's hide out there. So uh, it does explain why Calathus is the exile in yeah. that way. Too true. Uh, the elders actually boogied on out to the what is it, Ever Spring Swath, which yeah. then speaks to the, like the connection to the Sylvaneth, right? Because when you think of that place, you think of of Sylvaneth. So I wonder, do they you know pledge allegiance to Alariel at that point? Yeah. Furthermore, because I think all the uh, Karnathi characters that have War Scrolls all have the Sylvaneth keyword, mm. um, which is interesting. So I'm, I'm curious to see where that goes to our earlier discussion about, you know, what Karnathi are going to end up doing. Anyways, uh, all right, so that was the story. Let's talk about some questions that we got here. Um, Davey, who's your MVP? Who's your fave uh, in this year's story? Hmm. Well, I have a couple possibilities. Why don't you go first? Because I, uh, I can back up if, uh, if you happen to steal mine. Um, so I think I like Mira because she – there were <laughs> – not to be unkind, but I feel like there were very few like standout like characters with personality in this here story. Kamathis mm. is just, I mean, just driven by revenge, but that's, that can be relatively one dimensional. Um, the uh, Landstarn was, was, it's nice how he was always like swooping in to save the day, but eh, it's fine. I, you didn't get too much, like, I, you didn't get too much insight into him. Um, the brother had some depth. Uh, I'm, I'm listing all the characters that I'm not picking, essentially. But Mira oh, okay. is is where uh, it, it, where I think it was fun, right? She was a little bit. It seemed as if she was younger. It seemed as if she was a bit naive. Like she did the bait thing, which was uh, like kind of you know kind of cute and like clever. Um, well, her signature move is playing dead because yeah. when when she actually does die, Kloth is like ah, for a moment. I hope that uh, she was just playing dead. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so they talk about how their I think the word elves get thrown around relatively fair bit. So I'm under the impression that they are all like. Elven, but like in my head, in my head can I picture Mira as is maybe one of those like fawn looking dudes um, in the warband? Like I wanted more of that, and we can I think we'll probably talk a little bit more as time as we talk more about this book. Um, but it more like uh, maybe not impish isn't the impish in a character characteristic sense, not as like a physical shape sense. Um, and you know the the, the fae like creature in the woods, and because of that, I think I, I was really drawn to her, and I was legitimately sad when she got her neck bit off. Um, because I wanted to see how she could contribute to more of like the sneaky um, and in some ways like whimsical uh, uh, plots and plans moving forward. So I think that's who I would pick. Davey, who is yours? Uh, I'm going to go, and I sometimes pick these for the the person I can identify with. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with uh, Kulathis's father. Okay. Because uh, he, uh, when she comes across him in this flashback, he's 
his life is leaving from every pore, I think. Like, you know, yeah. so he's like super dying. Uh, but then he has that like long Midwestern goodbye <laughs> where he's like, uh, they came in great numbers and this other thing happened and your brother fought them and then he got ripped up. Uh, but not before he like said a long good, like maybe managed to get the other people out and that was cool. And they really hated him for that. And, uh, man, you really need to go kill these. You know, I was like, wow, this guy has a lot of last words before he. Before is it the, uh, it, so. is it the classic where he gets out of sentence and it like, it looks like the life is faded from him. And then he gets a second yeah. wind and he goes and changes <laughs> the story. And then, and then she thinks he's dead. And then he said, she's, she slowly backs away. And at the last minute, he, his eyes both open revenge. And then that's it. Exactly. Kills over. So yeah, he, uh, I, I haven't died yet and done this, but, uh, but I've I've uh, I've tried to leave a place and, and made it last much longer because I couldn't stop talking. So <laughs> you and me both. Um, also, you're always telling your kids to get revenge on people. Yeah, yeah. I wish they'd listen. Don't stand for it. Um, what I'm curious what some of your other options would have been. Oh, my other one was specifically uh, Mira for oh, uh, nice. for her signature move being uh, playing dead. Playing dead. Uh, okay, fun. Right on. Um, is that your signature? Is that your signature move? Uh, no. Well, I, honestly, I was hoping that you would pick it because I was like, I, I don't think Aaron's signature move in a fight might be to play dead. I don't but know. Look at me. Of course it would be. Obviously, <laughs> my signature move in like a strongly worded argument is play dead. Um, <laughs> oh God, we killed him. Um, all right. Uh, did you learn anything about the mortal realms that you didn't know before? Just a, mostly just that comment about Sylvaneth being their cousins, the Karnathi okay. cousins. Um, and then tangentially, because it, uh, it prompted me to look up a little bit of the timeline of, uh, of Olfenkarn and the Cursed City. Um, okay. but that was more of a, uh, supporting reading sort of mm -hmm. rather than directly from the book. I gotcha. Um, I learned that shards of the Oak of Ages Patch, which is where her, what her arrows are made out of, um, Colossus yeah. is apparently explode vampires, which yeah. I mean, it's wood. It's like a stake to the heart, I guess, that jives with vampire lord but like this the, the fact that she, they specifically call it out and like the oak of ages past is like pissed um yeah. and, and is dropping these undead is something that i had learned um had learned here yeah she was gifted a arm-sized splinter i think from the oak um which is way off in gyran so she's yeah. traveled there perhaps or something like that i wonder well i mean again there's the parallels between karnathi and wanderers like maybe she hadn't gone there but maybe wanderers had yeah to, to this point, maybe I'll, I'll, this will be my segue into it. Hey, David, did you not learn anything about the moral realms that you would have liked to have learned? I mean, this is my biggest objection, right? It's like uh, I, I grabbed this book because, or we, we chose this because I wanted to learn more about the Karnathi, and I feel like I've learned almost nothing. You know, they, they could have, this could have been about wanderers. This could have been about, this could have been an old world, um, mm -hmm. could have been in the world that was, and it could have just been wood elves. Uh, there wasn't any mention of like if you were reading this and you didn't know anything about the the background you wouldn't know that Karnathi had like many of them had those you know that there's a crazy centaur one or uh, you know goat legs or whatever you know like there's all mm -hmm. kinds of I wanted to learn more about that and that didn't yeah so. correct that's the gist of what I was trying to what I was getting at and that yeah I don't I don't know any more about the Karnathi than I necessarily did before other than when they die they plan on being with Karnath maybe that's another thing I learned too mm -hmm. uh, but, but who is Karnath in this 
setting. Um, would have, I know this maybe not the point of the story. And I get like the story is trying to serve something else. The goal wasn't to introduce you necessarily to Karnathi. It was in to, to introduce you to a singular character who mm-hmm. in some ways don't necessarily, she doesn't even necessarily have a lot of the hallmarks of what we thought Karnathi were going into it, which is also something yeah. that I don't particularly love. Um, so I get that that wasn't the point, but I had... <laughs> expectations of one thing and this the story was was something else which it's it's hard even if the expectation was solely on me it's still not hard to be hard not to be a little disappointed um about that but like your point yeah she could have been it she could have been a wood elf could have been a wanderer um very little karnathi coming to the rising to the top of this I mean, year i would i would have believed him to be lumineth if it happened to be in his you know like yeah, it. true bow and arrows um elves uh playing dead i get it um elf doing elf things elf's got an elf everybody knows that so it i am right there with you i i I feel boomed up by that um any other things that you learned that you want to bring up no i don't think so all right cool then do you have any other recommendations for other stories from black library well it's a little challenging here because it's it's going to be things that i haven't read if you are interested in more of the cursed city timeline obviously is the cl werner book which you could check out yeah um and I did not read the Beastgrave novel yet, uh, but my understanding is that has... I think we've been corrected. I think that's actually uh, ends up being more Sylvaneth, I want to say. Oh, uh, you're correct. Yeah. Um, however, there is a short story, which is The Warden in the Mountain, which I also have not read. Um, I did but read I'm, that. Okay. That, and does, that does. That's, that's where I'm conflating the two. So. I gotcha. They, I think they came out in a similar time, and it's like in the mountain, right? You think Beastgrave all of a sudden? Um yeah. So did you, did that, I haven't read it yet, but maybe I will. Um, did that give you anything, anything at all about the Karnathi as a More than educational this, not, tool? Not a ton. Mm. So. Shame. It, it, I mean, they're, they're like the mountain beast grave is really kind of the oppressive, overwhelming sort of character in that. Mm. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I will say that there is the, there's the short in the Dark Chasm compilation that although I don't, I don't remember if it follows the uh, the warband, the Karnathi warband, but at least they, they are prevalent in it. All right, so there aren't many Karnathi stories out there, which is why I was really hanging my hopes on this one, really breaking those doors wide open. Um, but maybe there will be maybe there will be more. Uh, I look forward to that day. Um, all right, are there any other points of interest or things that we didn't talk about that you want to bring up no i think i'm good very cool uh yeah i don't got anything else either so like we're gonna have to dive into this review i feel like we've we've touched on it we've dipped our toe in what we thought but we're gonna have to dive in davy what did you think of this here short story so i mentioned already that the uh the karnathi characters in here felt like they could have been any other elven race like they just kind of read as elves Mm -hmm. uh to me uh and to some extent that actually goes on to the bigger story. It felt, it felt a little like not to, not to be overly demeaning, but, uh, it felt a little, uh, like ad lib, like here are the beats and we're going to plug in these particular villains. You know, like mm-hmm. it felt, uh, felt pretty tropey with a lot of the, the things that happened. Um, I didn't feel particularly surprised by any of the things. Mm-hmm. Some of us, you know, that Colossus is going to live, uh, you know, that if there's a Lieutenant, um, important, but we haven't heard of before. Then that that bad's probably going down. So uh, between not learning anything new and not, uh, you know, it's a, a lot of these a lot of these black library come to 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 try to learn something new about the Age of Sigmar world. Um, and then sometimes you know will happen on upon something that really hits for me well with a uh, uh, story wise. Um, 
whether or not learned new things about it. Um, and this kind of didn't, didn't do either of those things for me. So, um, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't, um, it didn't, uh, it didn't grab me on any of the things that I was, I would normally hope for. So, um, I would give it, we'll say 13 out of 25 exploding vampires. Okay. Explode. And that's probably, that's probably on the low. I'm sorry, not low on, on the rating, but low on how many exploding vampires were <laughs> in this story. Um, you know, I agree with a lot of that. We, when we talk about our short stories, we're always so delighted when they, they, um, uh, they focus on this like idea, right? We always talk about like, Oh, that was a, is a great idea that you could build a story around. It's like this core, you know, gem or something in, in the center of it. And the story sort of stems from it. I don't know that this story had a core conceit. It was more, it was, it was more functional, I guess, in that, like, wh- how did Kulasas get here? Essentially, Let, let's yeah. just walk us through it. Uh, you were definitely right that it, um, it, it was tropey or it was, it seemed very paint by numbers to some degree, which is, I mean, uh, which is fine. Like I, I can't point to any one thing in the story and say that was bad. There was no bad parts of this story. It's just that you, you, you saw a lot of it come and it played out the way you'd expect it to. And all the, I was gonna say all the people ended up where they, where you thought they were going to be, which is to say one was alive and everybody else wasn't. Um, and so I, you, you can kind of predict that when like the body of the brother was missing, there was one, I will say, okay, when you say there were no surprises, I was only surprised insofar as I thought the brother would end up being a vampire. When a, when a vampire attacks uh, and then the, your, your, your brother goes missing, my mind goes to, right, well, now he's the vampire too, not zombie. So in some ways, that was a little surprising. Um, but yes, he was still under the thrall of the, the bad guys. Um, it, so it was fine. I, 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 can't, I can't muster up any more enthusiasm than that. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, it, it brought, it flat or filled out the, the, at least the history of a character, maybe not so much the character of a character. Um, and that's a good distinction. We're brought up to the, 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 the present day. So, um, I look forward to the next Karnathi. This was, this was fine. I look forward to the next story. Um, one of these days we'll, we're going to learn a lot, a lot about them. This just wasn't the one to do it. Uh, yep. so in terms of, I don't know, ratings, I'd maybe give it a uh, three, three and a half out of five, uh, shards of Oak, uh, shards of the Oak of ages past. Um, cause also I want to learn more about the Oak. Actually, that's another thing. Come on. We need to spend some more time around the Oak of ages past. What's the deal with that? Um, maybe we will if we talk some Sylvaneth. Ooh, too true. Um, yeah, actually, obviously, Aaron, it's coming up. Um, I look forward to that day. Though when this episode releases, who knows in the time? Like, time is going to be all timey-wimey with this guy. Um, all right, so those are my thoughts on The Hunter's Quarry. Any other thing, any other parting thoughts before we get the heck out of here? Native. All right, let's do the dang thing. Um, it's time for our forging. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter, at The Mortal Realms. Davey, where can they find you online? Um, at red underscore Zeke, or you can get us at WTHcast on Twitter or in our wonderful Discord. Yeah, so wonderful. Probably the best thing about us. Um, I'm Aaron. You can find us at, or you can find me at Dos Asos on Twitter. And nope, at Twitter. That was a weird way to say it. Uh, and obviously, if you're listening to this, you're listening to the story phase. And you can find all our Mortal Realm shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. Thank you.
Welcome to the Pocket Realms, an Age of Sigmar short story phase. Nope, a Mortal Realms short story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path to the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the realm gates in this episode are... I'm Davey, and the only reason I'm still part of this podcast is I promised Aaron I would be the one to kill him. <laughs> oh, God, and I really hope hope you are. Uh, and, and I'm Aaron. And show me how to fight for now, and I'll tell you, baby. It was, no, that's not how you do it. Show me how to fight for now, and I'll tell you, baby, it was easy. Coming back here to you once I figured it out. You were right here all along. It's like you're my mirror, a mirror staring back at me. And that's me talking to my really reflective sword. Uh, oh. Yeah. What are you it's, quoting there? Uh, uh, close. Oh, no, that would be another good one. I literally Googled songs about reflections. Um, no, it's it, Justin Timberlake's hit song, Mirrors, Dating. Oh, yeah. All right. Pop, pop, pop icon, Justin Timberlake. Anyways, today we're going to talk about reflections and steel. See, reflections, mirrors, it makes a little bit of sense. Um, and this oh, is a yeah. short story by C.L. Warner. Excited to gab about this one. Um, yeah. But before we do, hey, Danny, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. Uh, the school year has started, which means that uh, I have a little bit of time to myself during the week when I'm on the days that I'm not working, which is something that I missed. I love my children very much, but... <laughs> children, if you ever listen to this, we yeah. love and appreciate you, and we're so excited to see what the people you could turn into. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm sorry that I have to eat into this little bit of this personal time, because I'm sure the last thing you want to do is hang out with Aaron, uh, talk, talk Rose. on the podcast. Yeah. Self-burn. Those are rare. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, uh, very cool. Uh, I'm doing pretty, pretty well. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm glad the school started. Um, and it's also freezing outside. So like, boom, there goes summer. Uh, cool. Well, so we're going to talk, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about reflections in steel, a short story by CL Warner. I had already said that, but before we do, let's start the way we often do. Davey, I want to know what you've been up to. It's been a while since we've done one of these. So I reckon your story will be a little update it'll be new it'll be fresh um what's the uh what's the last hobby that you've been doing or the game last game that you've played or the last book that you've read uh i like to use the pocket realms to talk about books that i read um and i actually have been doing uh, some black library stuff uh i read the uh godsbane and then i am halfway through kragnos and uh godsbane was uh fine it was there were things that i liked a lot about it early on and then it lost some steam for me uh what i really liked is that one thing that we have on our discord is like these book club threads um so i i think uh i think the listeners or or maybe they're not all listeners maybe they're just discord denizens um did a did a book club on this and several other books and so once i was done i could go and read along uh read all the what other people thought of it and discussions about certain points and feel validated in some of my, uh, <laughs> uh, thoughts, but, uh, Kragnos right now, really enjoying that a lot. Very cool. Uh, free guild cultures is, uh, the most appealing thing to me so far, but, uh, even some of the other, uh, when you see some other factions written thus far, they've been, they've been interesting, um, and well-written from their little blurbs too. Yeah. Um, right on. And outside of black library, I finally read, uh, Parable of the Sower. It's an Octavia Butler, and that was very good. Okay, very cool. I've heard of that A little one. bit of a bummer, but very good. <laughs> uh, what about you? What you been doing? Uh, similar. I mean, I, it's, I had started a long time ago, but I feel like I've only recently read those two Black Library books that you just mentioned, specifically those two, in fact, uh, in that I did read Kragnos while back um, when the book or the Discord was going through the book club. And so I definitely love that one. Uh, Geimer rarely misses, and this was not a miss. In fact, it was one of his best, I would say, um, all the way through. So not just, spoiler alert, it stays pretty good throughout the entirety of it. Um, and then after that, I went out of order. I read Get 
God's Bane after the fact. And I agree with you. It was good, not great. Um, some fun ideas, ideas that I think were ripe to be touched on, like the idea. Well, I'm not going to give the whole, that's not the whole point of the book, but just like it's it got a theme throughout that I thought it, it was high time we, we, we dove into it. And it was yeah. an admirable attempt at, at telling a story around it. So I think it was um, pretty neat on that regard. Yeah. And like you said, it's it's been such a boon to have the uh the book clubs you know with their own threads in our discord it's very uh fun to like have a focused in like uh deep dive into the discussions it's like a moral realms uh story phase but with like i don't know 20 people instead of the the same three people that i had listened to over and over and you can't <laughs> see me panting my mouth's jabbering with my hand yeah yeah um oof. But so. they know they're they're imagining it. <laughs> they can tell it's all in the tone. Um, haven't read, uh, and, and now I'm actively reading um, the Drakey Flint novel Arcanauts something something Arcanauts Code maybe. Um, oh. It is great. The short stories I think we were we we enjoyed. We talked about it in a previous Pocket Realms, um, yep. uh, but it seemed as if they're they're. It was just your to me. It seemed like kind of like a bog standard KO with like a charismatic leader. Um, mm-hmm. the, the novel and one of the few instances where maybe the novel I think is doing a better job than the short stories, at least so far, mm-hmm. cause I'm only a couple chapters in is that it, it allows you to get, it spends more time with the crew and it spends sure. more time with the characters. And, uh, Oh gosh, guy Haley who writes it, um, has done a great job to make the crew, uh, a merry band of, you know, individuals, which is not how that mm-hmm. phrase normally goes, but, um, they're not nameless, faceless people. They all have sort of their own thing. And man, do I love when a bunch of people have their own thing. Um, so, <laughs> so far, uh, the book's holding up. It seems like high adventure. I'm all I'm all for it. So I'm looking forward to finishing that out. And I will probably recommend it unless it falls flat on its face. You love when characters have their own thing. Do you have your own thing? Uh, oh, gosh. I mean, obviously, yes. And I think it goes without saying. Anyways, um, so <laughs> I've got a couple of things, as, as the <laughs> listeners well know. And one of these things is my buckling shelves right here. Yeah. Um, Good to see him again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you missed them, missed them. So, yeah. uh, all right, let's get into the story phase of this here short story. So, Davey, if you would be so kind as to take us there. The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. Taken by Chaos Raiders, young Kenji suffers as a slave, but does he have the strength to step onto the Eightfold Path and join his captors as a champion of chaos? Hopefully. Ooh, otherwise, not looking good for yeah. Kenji. Um, right on. So Reflections in Steel by Seal Warner. Apparently it's about a, well, we'll get into what it's about, I suppose. But first things first, let's do our W's in, a, in, a, in a, an attempt to remain spoiler free. And I think the one we normally start with is why. Why are we reading this here book? Um, Davey, I can't remember because we suggested this a long time ago and it took us a very long time to record an episode about it. Do you recall why we thought this was a good idea? I don't actually recall why we did, but once we... Uh, got done with summer stuff and came back together and like, okay, what, what did we pick? And so I was this and we're like, let's just say it was because we knew that slaves to darkness had a book coming up. God, um, we're, so, we're so smart. Yeah. It could have been the reason why I'm not saying it wasn't, I'm just saying we couldn't remember. And that's a, as good a reason as any to say it. I think so. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. I think also, uh, I felt like we'd been a little bit since we'd read from a perspective of a, a chaos story. So yeah, yeah, true. I can't remember the last time we did. I mean, we've done elves, we've done vampires, arc, uh, KO. With it's, yep. it's, we need to circle back around and get into that uh, chaos. Oh, yeah. um, so I'm all about it. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add. I'm pretty sure that was the extent of, of why. Uh, plus, I think. 
for them. Okay, no, I do make. Also, I don't think it's been a while since we've read a C.L. Werner story. Maybe not ever in the pocket realms. That's probably not true. This is like episode 15. I'm sure we had to have touched something. Don't know what. If only somebody would like keep a spreadsheet about this or something, we could. Mm. Well, I mean, I literally can. Pl- I mean, there is a list. I could literally just go look right now, but I refuse to because now I've yeah. backed myself into a corner. Um, or your so. most dangerous <laughs> claws out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, then let's let's talk about the when. Then he's going to be quick. Uh, you're going to sense a theme, a theme here, listener. But uh, the when. When does the story take place, and does it inform anything that's going on in this here tale? David, do you got a when that jumps out of uh, you? I do not. Who knows? Ditto. Like Triple question mark. Yeah. I, it, it could literally be in the age of chaos. It could be in the current, um, in the current, uh, era. So mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah. saw, I saw nothing to point one way or the other. Sure. It seems reminiscent of some other stories that we've seen in the age of chaos. Um, but again, it, it could have been at any point in time and, uh, not much more, to, not much more to delve into beyond that one. Um, Similarly, likewise, did you get a sense of the where at all in this story? Uh, they make passing reference to uh, where some individuals are from or where some tribes are from, but it wasn't made obvious where they actually currently were, as mm-hmm. far as I could tell. And there there weren't any like clues. There wasn't like a carnivorous hill to be like, aha, grr, or, you know, anything like that. So yeah, true, true. Uh, and furthermore, I mean, it makes a vague reference to the fact like later in the story, I don't think this is a spoiler. It references the fact that a lot of different realms have been covered or like traversed or like they, there had been points where they were in different realms. And so that might've been true here in that, like it was intentionally vague because they could have been anywhere at any point. Like this was a, mm-hmm. a far ranging story, although that doesn't really contribute to the story really all that much um i'll have a thought later in like in the middle of the book they're 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 at a a location or a scene and i wonder if that says one or two things about where they might have been at that point but neither here nor there um and then finally we got a who who uh, we we, we've named him before but who is the story about you got any thoughts on our boy kenji uh kenji we don't know a ton about other than he is uh part of a uh, village that uh, bites it real early on. Um, and it's uh, about his life once he's been uh, taken by, uh, uh, taken by these chaos or, or uh, his, where, where his life goes after being attacked by these uh, chaos, this chaos war band. Um, so spoiler alert, he doesn't die in the first two pages. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just flip through the rest of the pages. These are just yeah. blank. What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, no, agreed. So we, we follow, the story follows Kenji. Um, yep. And I guess that covers the what too, is is it's our, our, our guy. And what does it mean to be, uh, where does the life go after you've been uh, attacked by chaos? And that's the, the, yep. the thrust of, of this year's story. So that's our what as well. Yeah. Uh, Kyoshima cool. is the town that he is from. So... That's his, if, if anybody happens to know where Kyoshima is, find it on a map somewhere. You've you've cracked our you've solved our puzzle. <laughs> yeah. And then you then now the mortal realms is yours. You've earned yeah. it. This is your show now. Um, congratulations. It's yeah. it's a gift and a curse. Um, it's a real monkey's paw. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Uh, all right. Any other W thoughts that you want to share? Uh, not me. What about you? Nope. Not at all. All right. Cool. Um, Let's dive into some spoilers. Just spoil the heck, spoil the heck out of this thing. Um, spoil it in the spoiler phase. All right. So, uh, 
it's been a while since we've done one of these. I believe what we do is we talk through what happens. All right. So like we said, Kenji living in uh, Kiyoshima, uh, I believe he starts with a, a nailed boot in his back, face down in the mud as his yeah. village burns around him. Um, yeah. Great place to start in media res. Uh, yeah. Uh, how did you how did you take this? What, what were your feelings reading these first few paragraphs of this this wanton destruction, Jamie? Well, so I had not, unlike how we read the little blurb, I had not read that. All I knew is that it involved chaos. Uh, and so reading this, I actually wasn't sure if this Kenji was going to be the person we followed or if it was just setting us up like, hey, you know, check this out. So uh, uh, it they spend a lot of time talking about the what the guy looks like, this uh, warrior that has a boot in the middle of his back. Um Kenji's crying out because the the hobnails and the guy's boot are cutting into his skin. Oof. Um, so there was there was a brief moment where I was like, "Oh, are, are you know these are these two going to be characters that we follow going forward, or which one?" And then uh, and then the guy on his back uh, gets into confrontation. He doesn't know what they're saying right away, um, but uh, someone tells him to stop right before the axe descends to uh, end Kenji's life. And it is uh, someone with a uh, abnormally reflective sword uh, should should not be as clean as it is because he's been killing all Kenji's peeps. Um, <laughs> My but, brother's uh, blood should be on your sword right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is not right. Um, and there's this argument, and then uh, this this uh, warrior with the reflective sword cuts down the person who is about to kill Kenji, uh, which. Yeah, he saved. Just kidding. Now he is uh, slapped in manacles and he is a uh, slave. Yeah. Uh, I have expected a, mainly because modern media has uh, uh, conditioned me to think this, but very much a uh, axe comes swinging down and then freeze frame, record scratch. And then Kenji says, well, I bet you're wondering how I got my, found myself. <laughs> uh, but no such luck. We never get much insight as to, you know, literally what happened here other than that he lives in this village kiyoshima uh, it was sacked by chaos uh worshipers chaos marauders chaos warriors um and uh like you said uh, i hadn't really thought of it but um cl warner does spend a bit of time describing the guy with the boot in his back and i'm hearkening back to just a little bit ago when i just read the read the story you're right i i did expect to spend more time with this nasty dude with the um I'm trying to think about what else he had. Yeah, like other, a chin tattoo and a, a skull mask and yeah, a, you know, horns coming from brass, horns coming from that. Yeah. Faces, exactly. So I'm like, oh, well, yeah. we're spending a lot of time with this. Uh, yeah. I, I wonder who this guy's going to end up being. He ends up being dead is what he ends up being. Um, yeah. And it's uh, clean, clean sword is is the, the one essentially who persists. And he's got a cool helmet because it's like a wolf helm, but it's got ram horns, I think he says, uh, attached to it. So it's this gnarly uh, amalgamation um, helmet. And uh, we find out later that, that that individual's name is garm who's this chaos swordsman with a, a reflective blade it's worth noting that kenji sort of is uh, uh taken aback by the sword because here in his village it sounds like they have an aversion to like sorcery and um he would be uh loath to actually be killed by the sword because i know it's bad luck or it's a there's words that it would yeah that, that it would uh pull your soul into it uh and you wouldn't be able to go to one of nagash's underworlds so I think that's part of the. There's an interesting moment here where the uh, it's right after he gets the chains slapped on him, uh, and the the harsh uh, tongue of the invaders slowly becomes understandable to him. 
did you think this had something to do with the chains themselves? Are they like some sort of enchanted, they have some, something going on with them so that, uh, any, any slaves that these, uh, reavers capture can then understand them or. I didn't uh, until you said that. Um, okay. I thought it was, they were speaking one language and then when Garm started talking to Kenji, he switched to the language that Kenji knew. I just assumed they were switching languages because then, did I dream this, that later in the story, he said something to the effect of, Kenji started saying, well, I've, I've started to pick up what they were talking about as I spent more time with them, or no, maybe maybe I added that into the, I, maybe I inserted that mentally. That's my own headcanon, maybe. Um, maybe. But that's a good point. Like, yeah, he doesn't really address it. And normally that's the sort of thing that an author really, like, lays it on thick like oh i put these and i i, I started understanding as time goes on but i just thought it was he switched languages but no i like this yours is, better while the youth struggled to break away the invader shouted at him his voice shifting in tone cadence finally there came not gibberish but words kenji could understand yeah oh you're the right barbarian, the barbarian noted at once the difference that came upon kenji you understand me he repeated a note of cruel laughter uh huh. So maybe I don't know. I think both those readings get it, but uh, I, I definitely had the some sort of sorcery thing or, sure. or uh, enchantment. Well, I thought it was noteworthy just period the fact that there were other languages even referenced. I think oftentimes Age of Sigmar kind of hand waves over like the mm. language yeah. just distinctions, um, and yeah. it's incredibly common that things that you wouldn't think could talk to each other often do with no real issue. Uh, and it's mm -hmm. rare that they even reference other languages with the exception of Duarden languages, right? I feel like oftentimes that's the one thing that they always focus on is here's some fun words that Duarden know. But with that aside, yeah. um, it doesn't really come up all that much, which from a guy who plays D&D, &D, like a lot like language comes up quite a bit, right? Then whether you understand this or that language or what you have on your character sheet is noteworthy. Um, I always thought it was sort of a notable absence in Age of Sigmar. Interesting. Good catch. Um, what else do we got? So yeah, he's slapped in the manacles. He's uh, he's sort of delivered or, or put in under the, the charge of this pretty sadistic or malicious uh, slaver whose name we find out later is Sazal, um, who's a whip-wielding, no-talk-backing, uh, real son, mean son of a gun um, who yeah. is, seems to take real delight in... in uh, torturing and giving, <laughs> making life generally hell for his uh, slaves. And he uh, he has uh, pierced his lips with a bunch of bone splinters to make it look like he's got a second set of teeth. Uh, that looks real scary, I bet, and also <laughs> has to be very impractical. Like, got to be tough eating your eating your lunch you know or extra easy because you got more teeth like oh man let sure. me tear through this thing um let me tell you davy uh being the father to a six-year-old um it's it's actually in fact pretty common in my household for someone to have multiple sets of teeth as they wait for their teeth to fall out and it is as gnarly as it sounds <laughs> real <laughs> <All> gross <right. laughs> yeah. um sorry if you ever listen to this I love you very much. You're beautiful. Um, <laughs> no, I'm making a thing. Um, all right, very cool. So yeah, he's got this whip. I think this, this, this book has a series of time jumps or time skips, right? And so he's plopped in the manacles. He he uh, he he desperately wants to you know kill those these folks that have done this to him, especially the slaver because he's particularly sadistic. And then he sort of jumps ahead a little bit to after he spent some time as a slave. Uh, and we find ourselves, you know, working outside the uh, camp. He's been with them for a couple months now, um, so much so that the the constant wounds and uh, torturing that he's uh, 
he's lived through at this point, uh, it, it now is starting to be a little more than a minor inconvenience to him. Um, and they've got him doing some real, some real dirty work, the sort of work that, you know, true blood uh, followers of chaos um, have no interest in doing themselves. Uh, yeah. how, how did you, how did you find this, Davey? Um, uh, actually, it, it was maybe, I don't know if it's the first time we've seen this, but it, it made sense to me as like, oh, right. Like, you know, any army, even a chaos army needs certain logistics to yeah. get by. And, uh, that's not very glorious for the, the old dark gods or whatever. So yeah, you would find somebody to do that for you. Uh, and so all these people that have taken with them, uh, either end up as food, uh, mm-hmm. if they are too weak or if they're strong enough, then they will do these crappy tasks that, uh, they don't, that the chaos warriors themselves don't want to have to do. Can't blame him. Um, if I was a chaos warrior, I'd make him do the same thing. Um, so we find that Kenji is, uh, he's, well, let's, let's call him a butcher, I guess. Um, or, or, or at least someone who's, who's, uh, preparing meals. Uh, and in this case, those meals happen to be his friends. Uh, so as time has gone on, there weren't very many slaves that had been taken from his village because the very few survived. And over the course of the month, even fewer lasted this long, um, or the months, I should say. And at this point, um, he's been tasked with carving up people because uh, followers of chaos are, are not uncommonly uh, cannibals. And it turns out that he's been given the specific task to um, serve, prepare uh, a resident of his village who, although had made it this long, um, wasn't making it much longer. And so typically he's, the, he's you know, his job is to serve up, you know, dead folks who have perished. But in this case, in a particular sadistic turn of events, he's actually going to have to kill one of it, like a um, I don't know, some artisan or something from his village, I can't remember, a blacksmith or something like that, um, who's normally hardy in hail, but at this point he's been so emaciated that she can no longer go on, and um, he's got a killer. He doesn't want to do it. He has an internal struggle, but he knows if he doesn't do it. In some ways, he's also allowing the you know the these his captors to win, and so he reckons it makes more sense for him to do an act of, or perform an act of mercy on this gal and yeah. slice her throat and then carve her up. Yeah. Ugh. and it's what's worse is like she's awake her eyes are like open she's in some ways to some degree aware though also resigned to like her fate and i don't know if that makes it better or worse maybe even a little well no probably better if she was screaming and crying i feel like that would be worse but that's not the case here um it's a harsh harsh life harsh life out here in the mortal realms yeah uh you have a little bit more interaction with the slaver says all uh kenji has promised him like i'm gonna um, I'm going to live long enough for you to see you die. And he's like, so I was like, LOL, LOL, Like I've lots of people have said that and hasn't really worked out for them. And I feed them to the vultures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the animosity continues here. And it's noteworthy too. I, furthermore, not only are the, um, the chaos followers cannibals, but like even their mounts eat people as well. Yeah. And so that's part of this too. I can't remember if maybe he was even doing this for the horses. Uh, yeah. like they're not particularly like the people that he's killing aren't particularly strong or, you know, meaty. Ooh. Um, and so they end up feeding a lot of this to their mounts cause they think their mounts will become strong, uh, if they eat, eat the peoples. Um, mm-hmm. so in some ways even worse. Uh, cool. All right. Any other thoughts about this particular scene before we time jump again? Uh, Kenji does say, I'm sorry as he, as he, uh, uh, kills us and it's maybe kind of the last time we see any remorse for him spoilers but uh um it is uh it, it is representative of something that he's had to do many times but it, it's you know maybe this one particular it's 
we don't know this for a fact, but it might be the last person he ever encounters from his village. Um, Could be. So he's he's kind of killing the last thing about his village other than himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very symbolic, right? Because from then on, like how much of himself persists? We'll find out more right. as, as the story goes on. Uh, Stay so tuned. At, yeah. At the end of the scene, um, there, there's some movement in the camp that he's sort of on the outsides of, and he sees that this, the banner of his chaos champion that he follows is on the move. And it turns out they are going to, they've some scouts have found a village that, that, that is in need of some raiding and yep. uh, they're going to be the ones to do it. And so he has to come and help, I don't know, capture slaves or you know, do slave work uh, on the way. Yeah, and haul back loot, that sort of yeah, thing. That yeah. old, old jazz. Um, and so, like, as we jump into the next scene, we find out in sort of in his internal monologue that, like, it's hard for him to get excited about something like this, unlike everybody else, because he knows that he's not going to get a shred of any of this stuff, whereas everybody yep. else is, like, slavering at the idea of slavering, slavering, at the slavering, um, at the idea of being able to... Uh, carve out and get some some choice loot from this um from this raid that they're about to do so they're yeah the plan is that garm and the rest of the mounted uh warriors are going to zoom ahead they're like hey we're going to get there before they have a chance to close the gate uh all you foot sloggers you get you can you know just make sure to secure the the holdings once we've done it mm-hmm. and uh you know, as as they were marching originally, some of these chaos warriors were getting pretty exhausted or warriors or marauders. It, it doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. not super explicit about who is what you can read between the lines on some characters. But they're like dropping gear as they go because trying to make it lighter so they can keep up with the mounted uh, fellows. And then finally, the, the mounted continues like, nope, we're going ahead. And the rest of the uh, foot slogging chaos are like are you kidding me? Like these guys think they get all the loot. Let's go. And they get this <laughs> second wind and they, they surge ahead. And now uh, Kenji is struggling to keep up specifically because he doesn't have that motivation of reward and, and uh, plunder. Sure. Uh, but he does notice something as they're going. Well, even before that, it's worth noting that in order to keep up with these folks, the people who are foot slogging are having to like shed like supply, like their the gear off their backs, right? In order to keep up, yep. I mean, otherwise it's a pretty grueling march, and so they're just dropping stuff left and right, um, which is uh, noteworthy. And also, it's a very chaos move that if people start falling behind, whoop, there's a sword to the back or maybe a spear. Yeah, yeah, um, it's not like oh bummer, you fell down. It's like you, not only did you fall down, but I'm gonna stab you as I go by. <laughs> oh sure. wow, okay. And so much so that the slaver is getting on Kenji's butt, and he's trying to like trip him and stuff because like if he goes yeah. down he's staying down probably yeah um yeah. the implication um and so there's a funny not funny but uh, uh very uh antagonistic uh relationship on that front but to your point um as they are going in and a lot of the i don't know the stronger forces peel off and like uh, double time off to this village that they're going to take out uh, kenji starts seeing hunched slinking figures uh flanking the the rest of the column as it makes its way through this you know this the, the wilderness and mm-hmm. it soon is revealed that these slinking uh sneaky forms are that of skaven who have been the reason i brought up the point earlier is who have been collecting and scavenging all the stuff that's been left behind but now that they feel like the threat has sort of passed or moved on ahead they're gonna they're gonna ambush the tail end of this uh train um yeah and that all the, the mounted warriors are gone. They're just gonna we we got the numbers to take down the foot sloggers. Here we go. Classic Skaven move. Um, and yeah. so uh, a fight breaks out. Um, Skaven surrounding those stragglers who are still behind. Kenji still manacled um, and seeing that uh, the Skaven had a point. Right, They're, they have the advantage. They've got the, the superior numbers, and some of the chaos followers uh, are dropping left and right. 
It's a very precarious mm. situation Kenji finds himself in, even so much so that uh, Sazal is, finds himself surrounded uh, by yeah. uh, Skaven as he's cracking whips left and right, which is still a fun weapon. I like Sazal for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> that I love seeing a, a, you know offensive whip, I guess, when is it a whip defensive, but um, yeah. uh, using it to great effect. He knows what he's doing with this thing. Yeah. Um, what you, would you uh, think about the fight here? It was good. So Kenji gets attacked, but just by one Skaven, uh, which is convenient because he couldn't he's he's lucky to even fight off the one like he he just kind of puts up his hands like no 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 you know and then the the sword happens to hit the chain in between them and in that moment of surprise then he kind of reacts and managed to uh choke out this skaven with his chains and take the skaven sword uh he mentions later he's like oh probably only one went after me because i don't have anything for them to steal they're scavengers you know like they there's not not a lot to be gained uh Good job, C.L. Warner, because you knew the yeah. the audience was wondering, oh, really, just one dude? Why would that be? <laughs> All right, well, okay, justifiable reason. You win. Here you go. <laughs> uh, and then he uh, surprises these uh, Skaven that are ambushing or that are uh, that are surrounding Sazal, who's not doing too great. He's been stabbed a bunch of times. Um, but uh, with uh, with Kenji's help, he he makes it through that. And uh, Sazal's like... I- you you saved me and kenji's like uh but not really though and <laughs> surprise yeah uh his opening play here is to throw his sword at uh Cezal's face um connects and uh manages to to uh take him down finish him off um coming up from that to see then uh garm uh has returned uh slaughtered off the what remains of the skaven I, am i understanding this right kenji's the only one of the foot sloggers to have survived this ambush i as far as i know or if anybody else did survive they were unmentioned and unimportant yeah. i guess for the sake of the story but like i think it makes it a, a more compelling arc for this guy maybe if he's the only one who did it um maybe, yeah. a, maybe a less believable but a more more uh, dramatic storytelling if he is in fact the only one who survived it yeah 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 um uh, it's, it's interesting the way he so he throws the sword at uh Cezal, but like what, what really kills him is that he's taking his chains in between the manacles and he's literally just beating him across like whipping a, a different form of whipping Cezal across the face with him over and over again and he laments mm-hmm. the fact that at one point he had killed him but he just kept whipping and he and he he bemoans the fact that he missed the opportunity to savor the fact when he actually definitively died because he just kept yeah. wailing on him with these chains um, yeah uh-oh Kenji, I think, buddy, I think you're losing yourself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, lost in the frenzy, huh? Yeah, um, there he is. And so Garm uh, and his forces come swooping in, uh, driving the Skaven off. Uh, and is it at this point that he breaks the chains off, Kenji, right? It must be. Yeah, so uh, Garm raises his sword, uh, strikes down. Kenji's like, yeah, I, there's no way I was going to outrun this dude. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a goner. Uh, but instead, it's his chains that are broken uh and garm here uh studies him said you can run if you want but i don't think you want to run uh and kenji said like you destroyed my home you killed all my people garm says i cut the strong from the weak which gives you some of that some of that slays the darkness philosophy like Mm -hmm. you know a little bit why they're doing what they're doing um uh so he says you you have chosen to fight you know like go ahead keep fighting with us come on and get your now now you can get some plunder or you could stay here uh you might just die your wounds whatever you pick but uh if you want um you can you can try to become a reaver if you survive 
And that's the last we see uh, from that era in time. We, we'd go to a time jump. Yeah. Um, I liked the, I think it was a well-crafted point or, or element that yeah. they call out the fact that he, he had no uh, initiative or drive to move forward because he, he knew he had no uh, prospects of the share of the loot. But now he's been definitively given the opportunity to do so. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like the callback. I like the the tying that up with the bow. It really um, I think packaged this bit of story up very well. So I think he did a good job. Yeah. There. yeah. And time jump we do. And so is it is the next one the volcano? It must be. Yeah. The next yeah. time we see him, he's actually all brassed out. He's got a bunch of armor of his own. He's got scalps that are hanging off of things. Uh, he's so much so he's, use, he's using them as the brim, like as a sweat guard for his as a sweatband. Yeah. <laughs> That, which it's got to be itchy and gross isn't that what a scalp i mean that's kind of what a scalp is to some degree no. No. uh form and function um yeah and uh he is marching area he's, he's riding alongside right he's got he's on a mount too I, I don't know if it matters but um he's he's uh shoulder to shoulder with the 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 chaos warriors of of um of garms of garms band or war band or i don't know platoon whatever you want to call it in the, the slaves to darkness um and yeah. uh, they are marching up towards the vulca- volcano they're on a volcano's edge and they look down and they can see there's these these structures built into the, the base of this or into the walls of this volcano and it's studded with gems and things and they are here to uh to tear the place apart ransack the place and so when you're dealing with homes built into volcanoes there's only so many folks who could live there and you guessed it it's uh, the fire slayers, and those those fire slayers march out from their holds uh, in lockstep to repel these invaders. And uh, we spend a little time before the battle starts. Um, and uh, what, what, what did what what did jumped out at you uh, pre battle uh, here, Davey? Uh, you thought it was interesting. One, well, two things I'd say. So one was uh, the fire slayers are described as having obsidian black skin. Um, so in all other ways, so I think that might have been the first thing they described. And he says, you know, as he'd traded with Duarden from his village before, but these looked nothing like the Duarden he'd seen. Uh, and so I was like, oh, are we about to see Cast Warden? And then like Obsidian Black Skin, I was like, oh, what's going on? And then it describes him more fully. And uh, I, I like that the description is like from somebody who hasn't seen Fire Slayers before. Like their their uh, hair is puffed up like a cockatrice. And uh, and then it started talking about the runes in the skin. And you're like, oh, okay, we got Fire Slayers here. Sure. Um and uh, uh, Garm, Garm has dismounted specifically because uh, they're in these lava fields and he doesn't want to get uh, pitched into the lava because a, a horse like bucked or reared or something like that. Yeah. Like that's not a that that's not a glorious end when there's so many more glorious ends available in this fight. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's like, oh, we, we want to have we want to die in battle, but not, not like that. Um, yeah. yeah, I forgot about that part. Um, it's it's fun when to, to your point about like seeing things that we know through people's eyes who don't know them right it's very much where he's like well there's these duard and he's describing on the details i'm like it's come on guy it's fire slayers yeah. <laughs> where have you been for the past like five years um yeah yeah it doesn't come up all that much uh yeah i don't know people who are you know fire slayer scholars probably know when you see the obsidian skin and like the 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 volcano right? they, they may be able to put two and two together of where this yeah, yeah, is it's probably a lodge or something that yeah, is characterized with this I, I don't know what it is i for a minute and this is what i was maybe talking about earlier in the show is when they had mentioned that there were so many gems like baked into the volcano that made me think chaman just because there's a lot of oh yeah based sure. stuff but that yeah i don't know if that's true or if or i don't know if there's obs- onyx skinned or obsidian skinned 
fire slayers there. So I'm not sure. Could be. If you know what lodge this is, stop yelling at us through the podcast because we can't hear you. <laughs> but uh, send us a message because I'd like to know. Yeah, please do. Um, or send us a message about literally anything else. I love I love getting <laughs> getting fan mail. Um, so yes, uh, the, the fun thing that jumped out at me was that um, there's a new character introduced, which is we're over halfway through a short story. Do we really have time for new characters? But um, of Van, Vanya, who is a, yeah. um, a, a reaver in this uh, war band as well. And she uh, makes the point saying that she's, she's uh, really, I don't know, <laughs> enthusiastic about the prospect for all the loot that they're going to be able to pull from this place. And Kenji, yeah. uh, not admonishers, er, admonishers, but maybe corrects her or gives, uh, get your, get your priorities straight. Yeah, lady. exactly. Straight, straightens yeah. her out and stay in your lane. Um, and that like glory is what we ought to be, uh, chasing and that the loot kind of comes after. And she's like, nah, yeah. nah, nah, don't, don't worry about that, buddy. You're all mixed up. And so it's, this was a great, um, glimpse or insight. Th- this illustrates the change changes that Kenji has started, has started to gone through, go through, right? Like to think that he's yeah. even speaking of glory and, um, that the carnage that they're going to rot is, is obviously a pretty d- big departure for some kid that whose village was ransacked, you know, years and years ago. So, um, yeah. it illustrates the character arc that he's going through. Uh, and then the battle starts, uh, fire slayers march out, uh, the, uh, the chaos, army uh charges them there's this vanguard led by uh thur the drab goalie uh apparently a bunch of cannibals which is noteworthy because i'm pretty sure everybody's a cannibal cannibal so like this guy must be his group must be uber cannibals maybe cannibals that eat cannibals um because they come charging out uh as or as the vanguard are right behind the vanguard and they take a bunch of axes to the face they used to be the vanguard but then they took an axe to the face um and they essentially are eliminated it was a fun little blurb there right well there they go but hot on their heels comes the rest of the uh, army who essentially benefit from the screen that thur had run through they wasted yeah. all their axes um and now that the, the real carnage can begin what yeah. do you, you think about the fight Jamie? uh it, it was cool i was expecting you know i don't know i'm not a comprehensive fire slayerologist but uh i i thought uh I thought they were going to step forward and uh, blast them with magma pikes or something like that, but uh, it was the uh, it was the hand axes. It, interestingly, the first volley was like uh, two somehow outranged the uh, the reavers, and there was a second volley that like oh well now there was uh, javelins and stuff thrown back. I was like I feel like you could throw those javelins a little farther than these axes, but uh, <laughs> javelins very aerodynamic, hand axes not so much. Not so much, but, uh, they did, there was just that cool little bit of uh, fire slayer flavor, uh, where that the axes were just like going right through the armor. They were, uh, as, as Kenji and his group are leaping over the bodies of, of the, uh, the wiped out first wave. They're like, Ooh, it doesn't just smell like blood. It smells like, uh, seared flesh. Mm-hmm. So these, uh, axes are, are super hot. I say we retire the phrase like a hot knife through butter, and instead it's a hot axe <laughs> through armor. Yeah, you heard it here first. Tm 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 tm. Um, and so the 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 fight uh, rages on. Um, Kenji takes out a few duar, and he notes on notes how strong they are, and he he's sure that you know it's where the circumstance is different. They'd be able to take him out, but he's he's hacking and slashing his way through. But then what comes cresting over the edge of the... Oh, no, no. Oh, we got to set it up. I can't just jump right to the magnet draw. Um, he hmm. sees... Uh, so hacking and slashing, uh, he sees Vanya in the fray. In yep. fact, he, he kills one of... Kills a, a fire slayer. Maybe he's about to kill one, and then Vanya comes riding in, and she kills one of the fire slayers. 
Um, yep. So she comes in for the save, and then she st- hops down and starts prying out the gold runes out of uh, one of the slayers. And, and to illustrate the point that they're making before, Kenji's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Like, we got there's a fight here. There's glory to be had. And she's like, ah, nope, uh, there's money to be yeah, made. She starts well, and she also, her, her argument is not just about the money, but it's like, no one will believe you that you like did a lot of glorious stuff uh, unless you can show like all the trophies and loot that you got. Yeah. And uh, Ken, Kenji is like, oh, that's where she's wrong. Like it, it just matters. You're the only one who really knows. Sure. Like it's a, it's an interesting like chaos self-actualization mm-hmm. sort of thought exercise. And I was like, oh, all right. Not, not where I expected to get that kind of like, you know, believe in yourself sort of speech was from the guy walking the path of chaos, but I'm here for it. That's sure. all right. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, definitely great. Um, it's, it's in your own heart, you know, that, yep. you know, what, what, uh, what you accomplish, but it doesn't matter because the, the, the conversation doesn't go on for much longer because what comes cresting over the edge of this volcano, the scaly clawed foot of a magma droth and squish, uh, squashes are flat. Um, so she, she gone. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was fun while it lasted. Uh, it's one of those, you can't take it with you. In this case, you can't take stolen pure gold with you. Um, and now we've got a magma droth on our hands. Surprise. (laughs) No one ever suspects the surprise magma droths. Um, and now the, the battle is essentially focused. And so Kenji takes it upon himself to try and bring this thing down. He gets underneath it. There's weak spots, a glowing Zelda point where you can slash at it. He chops off a toe at one point. Um, yeah. All the while, while the writer, whether it's a, a rune son or a rune father, is hacking at him with his um, big old pole key axe thing. Um, we also discovered during this fight that he has uh, a sword in one hand and in his other he carries a chain. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was cool. A little, little, uh, just a little bit of a link to his past there. What? Um, a what to his past? A link to his past? <laughs> is that... Is that a Zelda reference well, no, as I mean, well? Just, it's and a chain, a chain reference? Yeah, chain it's reference. both? Yeah. I mean, right? Zelda's good too, but like on the well, nose. Well, you mentioned the Zelda point, so I just, it's a oh. double, it's oh, a triple. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. We're yeah. going to cut out the explanation. The audience is going to choose. Aaron, focus, focus, focus. All right. Um, very cool. And so it's just this this chaos warrior guy. Kenji's good, but he's not that good. I don't know if he's going to be taking down a, a Magnodroth by himself, but who comes swooping into I guess save the day, but uh, Garm as well. Uh, yeah. Basically, he sees this Magma Droth tearing through his lines. He takes that personally, and he comes uh, heading over to, and they basically 2v1 this thing. Um, yeah. I, I mean, back to the chain thing, I, I really like that, uh, you know, so this guy looks like he must be a rune father because he's got this big pole axe they oh. describe it as. And uh, Kenji managed to uh, whip his chain around that axe. He's in, I, I, it was just... It was like he doesn't just wrench it away. He's like, yeah, this this uh, fire slayer up on top is too strong for him to pull it away, but he can at least keep keep him from swinging it. So he locks that down and then just starts keeps chopping at the toe uh, that he had cut off uh, and hacking at exposed nerves and kind of driving the magma droth crazy with pain. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, way way to find a solution to your to your issues here. Sure. Like that's He's got upper management pretty, written all over him. Yeah, pretty creative. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they eventually uh, send it back over the edge, right? Sure. Yeah. And they even make it a point to be like, all right, well, we got to get ready to face that thing again because that, those things love swimming in lava. Like this isn't the end of it. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah. uh, you know, essentially dust themselves off with a grin on their face saying, all right, well, let's keep going, essentially. What's, what? Uh, think how much glory you get for something that you got to kill twice. Kill you know? twice. Yeah. That's yeah all right. Too. All right. 
Yeah. Um, there's another uh, mention about the the reflective sword has has uh, gotten through this fine. Kenji's sword is totally wrecked from uh, going into like lava blood. Mm-hmm. So uh, thankfully, Vanya had an axe that she's not using anymore. So he snags that up. Sure. Yep. All in a day's work. Uh, and then we get to follow uh, them as they proceed to ransack this Dwarden stronghold. No wrong, incorrect, cut off entirely. Let's yeah. fast forward. Um, this was the only cut that I was a little, I wish we could have gone a little bit farther. Like it, it was the only cut that I felt was a little premature. I could have, I could have yeah. done with a little bit more in the scene, but no such luck. Um, and we fast forward yet again uh, to, uh, he finds himself uh, stomping around a, a village, not entirely unlike the village that he used to live in, uh, the Kiyoshima. Um, and he is pretty uh, nonplussed, perturbed, not nonplussed. Actually, people use that incorrectly. That's not the right use of that. Um, he's, he's unhappy with the state of things because he yeah. and his forces are just lacing through this place, destroying it without hardly even uh, any sort of um, resistance. Uh, yeah. that's no, that's no way that a chaos warrior wants to what do. A, what a waste of my time. Yeah. Right. Like, so I'm not even bothering, like, uh, calling out to the dark gods. Cause I don't want them to see me doing this. Like it's, it's just <laughs> embarrassing. Embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I like that characterization. Sure. It's great. Um, he himself, I mean, he already was pretty decked out in the previous scene, but now he's got, he's, he's got a, a, a scythe sword that he stole from some vampire or some undead yeah. monstrosity. He's, he's super flossy. Yeah. He's got a, so, I mean, the drip is on <laughs> fleek. I don't know. No, nope, the trend. <laughs> We're nailing it. We got it. <laughs> Perfect. It's all about confidence. Keep it yeah, going. Yeah, sure. Uh, so he is, he is climbing that ladder, um, that path to glory for sure. And all the more reason why he feels like this is uh, beneath him. And in a similar scene to way, the way the story opened, um, he finds himself with a boot on the back of some kid who I think came running out after him after like a cart or something. He was swinging. Oh, yeah. Like charged him with like a knife. Or yeah, something. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I put a pin in that because I want to come back to it. Um, so, yeah, charges him with some a knife or a small blade or something. Anyways, and he yeah. flips him on his back, boot on his back, and he's all ready to kill him, uh, which is he's almost beneath his notice but this is where it's coming and what should happen again listeners if you were paying attention you will know that garm rolls up out of nowhere and stays kenji's blade and says no don't do it uh and kenji's like hold up uh what are you talking about this guy's barely beneath our notice this means nothing you can't possibly see in him the things you saw in me, right? Like I, he, so, so the irony isn't lost on him. He recognizes the yep. scene he finds himself in, which isn't always the case. So it was, it's noteworthy to think that he is not oblivious to what's going on here. He, 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 he sees the parallels the same as we do. Uh, and he goes, no, no, this is not the same thing. Uh, this guy's uh, some punk kid. You can't see anything in him. I'm going to take him out. Uh, and I would have thought maybe Garm would have have more to say about this but he does not and garm comes when he sees <laughs> yeah. that he's not getting kenji to back down garm comes a swinging uh with his uh reflecting blade and cuts kenji down and in the midst of this kenji is uh, uh dumbfounded he says how could we fought in hundreds of battles how could you possibly do this to me um but to no end to no avail he's cut down where he stands uh and ostensibly karm raises the kid back up and uh, thrusts him in a similar situation that Kenji had been. I sort of fast forward a little bit there, there to the end. David, did I miss anything? Is there anything you want to add or bring up? No, that was it. You know, the cycle cycle begins again. Um, so, uh, yeah, Kenji Kenji is gone. Like easily yeah. gone. Um, uh, what what was uh, a little unexpected about that for me is that this is 
this short story is labeled as a, uh, what, Carvos Reavers? Kravos? Kravos? Carvos? Um, um, you know I'm the last person to ask. Yeah, let me try that again. Uh, it's it's uh, listed as a Kravos Reavers story, right? So presumably it is something that we may return to. Uh, at the After the first time jump or so, I was like, oh, I think this is just going to be like any book in this series is going to be we're following Kenji around, right? Um, but then as he like advanced so fast over the course of the short story, I was like, no, something else is going on here. And he, he did. Uh, mm -hmm. so I, I was thinking like, oh, maybe it's going to assemble like, you know, here's the, uh, you know, magnificent, magnificent seven of this Kravos Reavers. And you're going to get a story about each, how they got there. And who knows with Black Library, like we may never see another one of these or, mm -hmm. or something like that. But, uh, I'm, I'm pretty interested to see how, I, I want to read the next one just to see like how how do they link together? Like mm -hmm. is Garm the guy we follow? Is Kravoth there? You know, like how how do they link together? Because um, it's not in the traditional way of follow a character. You know, sure, sure. I love the Magnificent Seven uh, deal because I was as yeah. we've est established in this very episode. I love when people got their own things. I love when there's a group yeah. of people who have their own things. Um, yeah, but no such no such luck. Uh, good point about the Kravoth Reavers. I was maybe going to bring it up later, but. Uh, I, will they continue? Can they continue? I, I, it, there's yeah. no, it's, it's, you can get your hopes up when they, they start giving not epitaphs, but, uh, subtitles for these things. Like the focus, like okay. the, I'm sure the goal when written was maybe there's going to be more, but will there ever be? You can't trust. Sorry. Any black library people who are listening to this, you can't trust anybody from black library. You never know what's going to come yeah. up. Um, it, and it worked for Drecky Flint and the hollow King, true, but, uh, true, true. will it work for Kravoff? Sure. Kravoff. <laughs> fingers crossed um and actually we didn't even mention who Kravoth's reavers were but that's like the high, head honcho above all of this right so even yeah. garm has a boss and it's this Kravoth um who yeah. Kravoth daemon not daemon demon struck um and so he's presumably the general over this whole entire thing but um yeah. so as far as the this ending goes uh when it became clear as soon as the boot was on the back at the end i'm like all right well i see what, like okay i get it um but at that moment there's still two ways it can go right um, in that it could directly mirror what happened at the beginning of the book, or it could have been, Hey, here's the opportunity. Here's the off ramp for him to break the cycle, right? An off ramp for him yeah. to do something different for him to recognize in someone else what he saw in himself. And thus he can break the cycle and, you know, have, an, have a protege or something like that. You could very clearly see that that was a possibility. Um, yeah. did you have a prediction as to which way it was going to go? And are you happy with the way that it went? I'm happy with the way it went because I'm always happy if like some expectations are subverted, you know, like, uh, the, the idea of a series that didn't just follow the same character, mm. uh, is interesting to me because I, I like not, not knowing what to expect. Um, I thought I did think, you know, and it's very, very, very like almost at the very end of the book where, uh, the, of the story where, you know, he's got a boot on somebody's back. I was like, Ooh, he is in trouble. Like, <laughs> I don't, I, I think I see where this is going. So I thought, I thought he was going to bite it at that point. Uh, and that is also kind of coupled with the, like his, his, uh, he advanced so far in the space of this short story. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, it, uh, it was set up. Yeah, I, I think at the start I was expecting, okay, we're going to have like kind of the epic journey and this is like step one in this guy's epic journey. Um, and, and the fact that the the story went a, a little bit different way than that uh, or very different way than that uh, made uh, – I enjoyed the, the uh, surprise factor sure. of it. I think from my vantage point, 
sorry, Seal, I wonder if you're listening to this. Through much of the story, I kept thinking, well, what's what's the what's the the in this book? I feel like for these short stories, there's one central like theme that they're trying to get across or one cool idea. Maybe that's what it is. It's what's yeah. the one cool idea. And seeing a yeah. chaos warrior become a chaos warrior has been done so many times or enough times anyways. I'm like, well, that can't be it. So either the short, short story has no cool idea and it's just up and then he's going to reach the end and that's that's it or it's going to be tucked as deep into the end of the story as possible so i i was two pages away from the end and i'm like it's got to show up like where is it going to be like the, if there is going to be a thing it has to hit here pretty quick and so as soon as the boot landed on his back i'm like right, well, okay thank goodness you, you averted disaster warner um there, there's the there's the thing and so i think in that moment where i had reflected on the fact that like it didn't seem as if throughout the story the cool thing had happened yet like i i then was the expectation was, all right, well, there's probably something in these last two pages that is going to throw me for a loop. And then it turns out it did. There was the the boot. I saw w- what was coming. I saw that the, the, the two roads diverged in this narrative wood. Um, which way is it going to go? Uh, now, the question is, did I like, would I have preferred it to go the other way? Would I have preferred it to have broken the cycle? Maybe, or to put it a different way, I would have preferred to hear Garm give some sort of reasoning behind it. And not that I needed the book to spell it out to me because I can read between the lines. I get the point. I understand. But there could there was potential maybe to see hear a interesting uh, presentation from Garm's perspective to explain for Kenji's benefit what was happening. Uh, but yeah. maybe that's a little heavy-handed, though. Maybe the audience doesn't need that. Maybe we don't need to go that route. It, it could have been interesting without being simple, right? Um, especially because yep. there was the conversation in the beginning of the book in this language that nobody understood between Garm and the guy who had the first boot. Like, was there some insight there? Some some one-liner, some one catchy, some catchy wisdom that needed to be spouted out before he gets dropped? And then do we finally get to learn what it was? But not not really. Uh, and. I was looking forward maybe to the potential of having some chaosy slaves to darkness-y like w- insight, wisdom, like yep. something yep. that you w- don't normally get from bloodthirsty killers, right? Because there's there's something to Garm. Like Garm's got something yep. going on. And I wanted to know, yeah. I wanted to get in that guy's head a little bit and we don't necessarily get yeah. a chance, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, but then to the point about what could other Reaver stories be about? Well, maybe there could be a Garm story. Maybe how did Garm become the who Garm is, where did he get his sword from? Like, wh- why is he the way he is? Um, that would mm. be interesting to read. Uh, mm. Or not to just give it away. I'm not I'm just keeping babbling. The last thought uh, is you know, what you could do. An interesting conceit would be, well, what if there was like a, a, a antagonist in every one of these stories? And then each subsequent book was how the antagonist got to be the way they were. And so like the next book would be a Cezal book. Like how, how did Cezal get to be the way Cezal yeah. was? And then there's some, be- like, there's some some nasty person in that book. And then the next story is about how that person got real nasty. <laughs> like I'd, yeah. I'd read that series too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's for free. I give that one away. Um, yeah. So it, there's, I think potentially we did the hard work. Now just write it. <laughs> just write it. Uh, there we go. All right. Uh, do you have any other points or thoughts that you want to bring up about this before we get our standard stuff? Out of the Let's way? hit the standards. I love the standards. First things first. Who was who was your person? Who was your who was your MVP of this story? Uh, I mm, it was. It's tough. I, I think I, I got to land on Garm uh, mostly because there is the the. Uh, the idea of a bad guy with a philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's not just uh, like the villains. If you get a good villain, it makes a, it makes a, a, a story. And so moving forward, I'd be interested to know more about this guy because he's not just, you know, Skeletor, let's end the world or rule the world or something like that. He has some, some driving philosophy there. 
uh, we just get little glimpses of it in mostly in his actions, but in that brief thing where he's like, I know you say that I, when, when Kenji says like, he wrecked my village, he killed all my family and friends. He says, what I did was cut, cut away the weak from the strong. Um, and so you can say that like in that moment, he was like, this Kenji is strong. He has potential. Uh, and it's my job to like give these people with potential a chance. Um, same with this young guy who charges, charges somebody way outclassing him with a knife. He's like, Oh, I like your, I like your style. I like your good spa. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, for that reason, I got to go with Garm. Yeah, right on. Um, we didn't talk about this, but uh, something I was thinking about is that like, we didn't see how Kenji got that book boot on his back. Essentially. Did this kid, was this kid braver than Kenji? Did, did Kenji do something similar or did he not? Uh, and yeah, like right. this kid's uh, bravery in the face of you know overwhelming odds or something like that. Presumably, that's something that Karm uh, yeah. saw in him. But did Kenji have something similar? Um, right. It's almost as if the book could have started a, a couple moments sooner, and then maybe we would have known. But it doesn't. It doesn't call it out. So it makes me wonder if he didn't have something like that. And in some yeah. ways, this kid is better than Kenji. Um, yeah. To some degree. Uh, yeah. Secondly, you'd mentioned that you'd use the word villain for Garm, but like. As far as the like definition of villain, I, I see nothing villainous about this dude, with the exception of you know the things that he yeah, does. You know. Society at large, as contained in this story, Garm does nothing but save Kenji's life. I think multiple sure. times, right? He dispenses wisdom, like he watches over them. Uh, I don't know that I witnessed him kill anybody innocent. So like, <laughs> he checks out. Uh, Garm did nothing wrong. <laughs> Garm did nothing wrong. Um, Garm is also my answer. I thought for sure you were going to pick an obscure person, and I thought I was safe in my Garm response. So I echo a lot of the things that you thought. Uh, I'll throw out two other points as far as characters go. Uh, first, we talked about Vanya the Reaver. I liked her uh, mainly because she was a lady Reaver, but nothing about her character had anything to do with that, right? Like, so it was just taken at face value that there was a female chaos warrior but her characteristic was not not that she's a gal but she likes loot and stuff and she wants some, some she wants some treasure which is a universal character trait uh i share that with her um second character it's not a character at all but they reference the baga baga yar which is apparently a yeah. witch at the yeah. uh, the village in the beginning of the book knows yeah. or is aware of or you know has some relation to the village they survived her curses or something yeah exactly yeah. uh who is the baga yar is she dead or she's yeah. still around uh and is yeah. it like a is it a Baba Yaga reference? Presumably, right? Those words are way too close to not. Seem, yeah, yeah, right, um, exactly. So tell me more about this, Werner. So let's circle back. Yeah. Um, tell me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll find out about the switch. Uh, so very cool. Um, did you learn anything about the mortal realms that you didn't know before? Uh, I think it was more just a reinforcing of an idea. It's what we talked about before of like, oh yeah, like this is how the logistics of a chaos warband works. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, not really a, a learned thing, but I did... I did like you mentioned Baba Yar, Baga uh, Yar, um, but uh, that that came with early on the town of Kyoshima. Uh, it mentioned it's dying, and uh, they had survived plague and starvation and the depredations of grot wolf riders and feral ghouls and vile hexes of the witch Baga Yar, uh, and now had been claimed by a catastrophe it couldn't endure. And what I liked about that was it was. Like we we often see these villages that are you know wrecked or destroyed or overcome by whatever the the bad guys are, be mm-hmm. they chaos or orcs or whatever the case. Um, but the idea of like yeah, this town survived a lot of things to get there, and you're like that makes sense because sometimes these villages are cast as like oh my gosh like you know bad guys. And you're like wow, you live in 
you live in the age of Sigmar universe. You live in the more like this is all the time for you. And so it, that, that made the town feel more real to me as, as a, as a place. Like it, it helped kind of do the place setting early on. Uh, and I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got their breaking point. And if, if faced with all of that litany of stuff, like eventually you're going to, you're, you're going to fall eventually. Like it, it's almost inevitable at some, some point. Um, I forgot about mm-hmm. this, but you just talking about Kiyoshima. Um, the dude's name's Kenji. She lives in a place mm-hmm. named Kiyoshima. This is obviously had some sort of like Asian influence. And so I thought maybe it's, uh, it was going to have some sort of, I don't know whether it's like a samurai theme or not, not to be uh, derivative or anything like that, but it just, it just yeah. seems as if with these titles, it, it was going to somehow inform the story to some degree, but I don't know that well, it did. It, it didn't, but here's the thing, like on the same, to the same effect of uh, you appreciating that there was a, a female reaver who the female part was not, like central, like it was like, she just was there. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. Yeah, like, true. you know, some, some other representation and it wasn't like, Hey, look, this is a caricature of this, or this is, you know, like it just is. You know? Yeah. Good, so very good point. Right. So I, oh. I, I take, I take that, um, <laughs> to heart, I suppose is maybe, yeah. but, uh, very neat. Um, I, I don't know that I learned much about the mortal realms really either. Uh, do we have any recommendations for other stories, the other black library stories that folks might want to read to get their, their fix after learning about this one? Yeah. A, a favorite of mine. And it was kind of, uh, I was reminded of it. Uh, I think it was Lord Arcanum Elizabeth maybe in our discord, uh, had mentioned that she had just read this, uh, recently and really liked it. Scourge of fate by Robbie McNiven. Good one. Uh, I really like that one a lot. Uh, and that is from the perspective of chaos. Um, there was another one. If you want to uh, talk about the arc of somebody who is perhaps on the way to chaos's uh, path to glory, by I want to say Evan Dickin. Yep, correct. Um, uh, that's another short story, which novella actually, even, but so a novella, little longer than a short story. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but uh, we we covered that in a, a previous episode. But uh, that's that's worth a read or a listen um, if this was kind of your jam. Sure. Sure, and that's yeah, nice. Your jam. Well, I want, the whole conceit's a little bit of a spoiler, so I won't get into it. Um, yeah. And then just as a final one, I had read a uh, Blood of the Flare uh, by Richard S. <laughs> Richard Strachan, um, <laughs> which is another good one. It's it's a uh, progress of power uh, from a chaos mm. champion. It's a little it's it's a little chaos god focusy, but like it it covers some ground, and I think it had some similar beats and vibes uh, to the short story as well. So check that one out um, too. All right, yeah. any other final parting thoughts before we no. get into what we thought of it entirely? Let's do it. All right, right on. Uh, hey, Davey, what would you think of Reflections in Steel? You know, I actually ended up liking it more after talking about it with you than when I was reading it. Me so, too. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, specifically, I really like the idea of... Uh, I, I'm looking forward to, like, another one in this series. Like, that's, that's my takeaway. I would love... I mean, it doesn't... I, we talk all the time about how we like short stories here. It, this would be a great short story series, I think. Like, mm-hmm. let's let's get these different vignettes from because this is a huge horde. This Kravats Reavers or whatever. Um, you know, tell me more about like what that looks like. How that go to what are what are all the different people like like in there? Give me give me their stories and and I won't know what to expect each time because like in the first one, the presumable main character died. So I think I was originally going to go. Um, Five, but instead I'm going to go six out of eight links of chain uh, holding your manacles together. 
Okay, good. Right on. Um, I should have thought of a rating system. I didn't. I agree completely. I was talking before about how I was thinking like, man, if, if there's no point to that, or if there's no like one cool thing about this story, short story before I get to the end of it, I'm going to be pretty, if it didn't happen, I was going to be disappointed, right? Like, mm-hmm. I understand that honestly, just the trajectory of a cast where it can be interested, interesting to some people, but that is not enough for me. I was hoping there were going to be a, some, some central thrust, some, some nail in the coffin at the end that would like really drive a point home. Fortunately, yeah. it came. so thank goodness, but for much of it, it wasn't there. And I find myself pausing thinking, Oh, I, just, I don't need to see what would they call bolter porn, which I don't know much about, but it felt like this was a little bit of this It's fighting fire slayers, fighting Skaven like that. I don't need to see these fights over and over again. Uh, Slaves of Darkness verse insert thing here that comes up a lot. Like it's it wasn't as new to me as I needed it to be. All I have to say, the book wasn't that. It ended up having a, a good a good point at the end, so I'm glad to hear it. And like you said, talking more about it makes me enjoy it all the more. You picked up on things that I hadn't uh, picked up uh, through my uh, initial reading, and so we're broken records about how we like short stories because we're talking yep. about that all the time. And I think we're to some degree we're getting to be broken records about oh hey I liked this thing after I talked about it more with somebody. I feel like I yeah. feel that way almost every. Every time, if ever I'm down on something, I just need to crack it open with some with some folks. You know, sometimes our listeners just need the familiar. Like we're <laughs> we're a comforting, predictable blanket for that's, them to wrap around themselves. You're not wrong. Um, on as an aside, uh, Huey just Huey now is obsessed with blankets. He just turned one. We're not allowed to like put pillows and blankets in his crib now. And now he's like, "Oh my god, have you guys ever seen blankets before?" And he'll just <laughs> roll and wrap himself up, and then probably if we're not there, probably strangle himself. Um, yeah, the whole reason yeah, yeah. why you don't give him a blanket, um, because yeah. he just he just he just giggles with glee when you give him a blanket. It's absurd. Wow, um, that's fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, um, so I I did enjoy it more, and touching on the fact that I would def I would love little insights to this growing. It's such a great pitch or a great idea for a series of short stories is there's this this horde is probably boundless right there's probably an infinite yep. number of stories baked into what can be done in this army and I want to read uh, more of them and. Yeah. Like you said, you never know what will happen. The main characters can die. Maybe main characters always will die. Maybe that's the whole point. Um, yeah. So that's cool too. Uh, but as far as ratings go, six to eight feels feels about right. Um, six to eight points on the the chaos symbol, the pointed thing. Um, you know, yeah. You guys know. You guys want to know about yeah. Sigmar. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, very cool. Any any final things before we go? No, good pick. All right, let's do it. Uh, it's time for our reforging. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter at The Mortal Realms. Uh, Davey, where can they find you online? I'm at red underscore Zeke or at WTHcast if you want to talk Underworlds. Excellent. Uh, I'm Aaron. You can find me at Dose Asos on Twitter and uh, obviously the story phase if you're into that sort of thing. And you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content and a bunch of more written what the heck's content uh, at mm. www.themoralrealms.com. Yep. Thank you.